kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening and welcome to Auntie Nanny. As usual, we will start with the CASA update. Uh, good evening, Alex, and how are you this evening? Good. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you. Um, welcome to the CASA update for the week of 3-10-2017. What's new and exciting this week, Alex? Um, I, I don't think I know where to begin. <laughs> it's been... <laughs> This has been a pretty busy week, right? Um, I, I'm I'm sort of just now looking back over everything that happened this week, wow. and uh, I'm a bit blown away. <laughs> um, there's there's kind of equal parts good and bad news, uh, depending on where you live, right? Um, so, uh, I, I, and I'm kind of going through our list here. I think I need to update some things okay. um but the um there was an indoor vaping ban that got yes. included in <clears throat> um howard county indiana's comprehensive smoking ban okay. um so this prohibits vaping in the same places where smoking is banned okay. um i am gonna have to go back and look at this but um, I can't remember if this provided an exemption for vapor shops. Um, I do know that uh, previously in in uh, in Kokomo, Indiana, and mm -hmm. I, I, th I don't know if it was limited to Kokomo or if it expanded to Howard County, restaurants uh, and bars, I think mainly bars, had the ability to, you know, decide on their own whether or not they wanted to allow smoking and vaping and it was tied to uh hookah lounges hookah okay. lounges were classified as a as a bar i think okay. and so they were sort of sheltered under that definition and and so it, it it naturally kind of extended to you know other normal bars um right. and uh but uh, apparently the um Maybe I'm getting that confused with something else. Well, I think I might be, get, might be getting that confused with, with Utah, which is okay. weird. Um, <laughs> lots of strange, lots of 
activity in Utah this week too. Um, oh yeah, I, it's hard for me to even really keep up with that. Yeah. Um, uh, I did see an update on that that uh, essentially it's as if the the as far as vaping was concerned, it's as if the session never happened, like nothing has changed. Um, and so there's some uh, there's some things taking effect there, some licensing stuff that kicks in this year right. um, that that will that may affect that will likely affect the vapor industry in Utah. So I think, and, and Utah smoke free associations working, um, to, I think, see what they can do about that. But the, right. the, you know, the, the, the bills that would have changed things, um, didn't, didn't receive a hearing in time from what I understand. Okay. I apologize for par paraphrasing all of this. And, and as we go through this, hopefully people will understand that a lot has happened this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I am not a hundred percent on everything that I'm saying here. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled for updates. So, uh, okay. um, the other bit of bad news, another thing that I need to update is Allegheny County voted, uh, to approve their indoor vaping ban. Yeah. Um, and this was, this was, you know, everybody had been alerted to this. This has been going on for months. Yep. Um, you know, we have been following this since it was, uh, since there were hearings going on at the uh county health it wasn't actually it was the allegheny county department of health started doing hearings yes and then it moved on to the allegheny county health subcommittee right. or, or health committee and right. then at, you know just this past week it went before the full council and so there have been several hearings where this has come up the vote was eight to five in favor of uh including vaping in, in the smoking ban and um you know it is it is kind of disappointing uh yeah. you know there were <clears throat> we sent out repeated uh alerts to people mm -hmm. in allegheny county there are shop owners that yep. were very dedicated to this that that showed up and tried to get people involved and yeah. you know allegheny county is bill godshall's turf yeah. Um, and so Bill has been trying to rally people and it's just kind of been this weak turnout. Um, yeah. And, and I, I understand, you know, city council hearings happen at weird times. Um, mm -hmm. Four o'clock on a Monday, people are still at work yeah. um, or just getting off of work, have sure. you know kids that need to be dealt with coming home from school after school activities, whatever. I don't know what the right. schedules are for, for, for schools in Allegheny County. So it's a difficult time for people to get there. Right. Um, and I'm sorry, not, this isn't Monday. The, the, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, the Allegheny County stuff is usually on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe. Okay. <sighs> anyway, uh, you know, the, the, the point being that I, I understand. So I don't want to take that, you know, weird kind of high horse, like, come on guys, get up and do stuff. It, <laughs> it's understandable. You know, city councils notoriously are like some of the most oddly unaccessible yeah. legislative they, bodies. It, it's, they really want it that way. The The announcements are hard to, to get to and mm -hmm. understand. And yeah. so, um, and, and admittedly, 
you know, I did not get an alert out in time because of lots of other stuff happening at the end of last week. Yeah, um, and, and so this was, this was probably one of, of many alerts that, that did not go out to Allegheny County people. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like, this goes all the way back to August of last year. Yeah, it does. I remember Bill telling well, everybody that was going to happen. June. Yeah, even before that. Right? Yeah, June. June was the first time that we alerted people about this. Yep. So, um, or July. Sorry, I'm reading things wrong. July was the first time that we alerted people to this. Um, so, yeah, you know, and this was this was not something that 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 we just, you know, 24 hours and oh, nobody knows. This is we've been people have been alerting Allegheny County about this since July of last year. This was not yeah. a surprise. No. Um, and it, it is just this is probably, you know, going to go down as one of the best examples of just how in, entrenched people are in their beliefs about these products. And yeah. um, and, and uh, you know, I haven't read the minutes from the hearing but you know i suspect a lot of the arguments centered around well we just don't know um they always do we don't know for the yeah. children <laughs> it's, it's not true anymore and i understand people's preferences of like oh, i don't want to go eat in a restaurant where somebody's vaping some fruit smelling nonsense that's mm -hmm. fine uh and business owners are, are absolutely free to make that decision on their own but there is no reason for departments of public health and, and, you know, county or city uh, lawmakers to, you know, start sounding air raid sirens because people are, <laughs> are vaping. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And it, it ends up discouraging people from trying the products. People, people who smoke, you know that, I know that, I know. but I know that we have a, 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 a range of opinions about this particular policy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, among the community, we get comments about it, yeah. you know, every now and then when we post up an alert about an indoor use ban we'll we'll get a comment that says well i don't want to you know yeah i don't want to vape where i can't smoke that's fine and that's what's fine. even what's even more awesome is that you're able to make that decision on your own yep and 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 you know there is there is such minimal risk practically I, I don't. I, I don't like saying absolutely no risk because that's just never true. But it's, like, it's like on par with snooze. Yeah, which is which is a smoke-free product. But yeah. you know, to to bystanders, there there is just not yeah. a concerning level of risk to bystanders using these products that it does not mm, it does not I mean, warrant a blanket county, city, state, federal, whatever law saying you can't use these agree. in public places I, so i completely agree alex but i mean they've exaggerated the science on secondhand smoke as well so yeah you know i i think i think a lot of this is because people can see visible vapor and they make that association in their head do you know what i mean i think that's a lot of why these 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 bands are passing People make yeah. that association that it looks like smoking, so it must be smoking. You know, it, it's it's ridiculous nonsense. It's 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 akin to voodoo um, in its belief. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. 
we had another tobacco 21 hearing in uh illinois i want okay. i need to look at this all right um let's it's see a this ridiculous this amount of tobacco 21 like you said it's the new dance craze so um There's so many of these <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> I'm going to have to follow up on this and I, I, I can't remember exactly what happened with this, but uh, we had a very kind of limited um, uh, alert for this at, at the advice of, of folks on the ground mm -hmm. in, in Illinois, um, which was sending in witness slips to right. uh, voice your opposition to that. So mm -hmm. I'll have to follow up on that, but uh, okay. I don't believe that there was a whole lot of support for this in Illinois, which is good news. That is good news. Um, Minnesota, we also put out an alert for this um, uh, to oppose the um, a tax hike. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, now, depending on on who you are as a, a as a, as an industry stakeholder, right? Um, this could be a tax reduction um, if you're selling the uh, closed systems that you're not manufacturing in the state. Right. Um, this, this is a reduction in taxes for you. Hmm. If you are manufacturing and selling bottles of e-liquid, this is a tax hike for you. Um, just to kind of spell that out and, and let everybody kind of know, you know, who's going to have more, um, influence on this or who needs to really speak up um so uh we we still have an active engagement for this and again i need to follow up on this but uh uh just to say that this happened on wednesday uh and uh minnesota is again looking at a 30 cent per milliliter uh of consumable material um on e-liquid containing nicotine so that, that tax is back this year um, and it's, it's, it's buried in the, I believe it's a, it's SF 1052. Okay. Um, so we have had a lot of people take action on that, which is, which is great. That is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, another kind of late update, I actually updated this morning. Um, okay. uh, the, uh, in Pennsylvania, the one of the bills to uh, change the 40% wholesale tax on vapor was introduced in Pennsylvania officially, I believe, yesterday. So that's uh, uh, Senator Camara Bartolotta's uh, bill, which right. is officially numbered SB 508. Okay. Um, not a massive update other than we now have a specific bill number to reference and I've updated our engagement for that. You okay. can get there, you can get there by visiting no Okay. Um, and so that's, that's one thing. And I believe we are expecting uh, uh, representative Jeff Whelan's bill to be officially introduced, I think next week. So okay. we will have two, we'll have companion bills in the House and the Senate racing towards concurrence um, and, and hopefully getting that disastrous tax bill fixed. Oh yeah. Um, so that's Pennsylvania. Um, and then I 
just got back from Columbus, Ohio uh, oh. this afternoon. How was um, that? Um, it was, man, that was a long hearing. Uh, <laughs> I, we were part of the, so this is the, um, I forget the official name for it, but it is uh, HB 49. Okay. Uh, in the Ohio House. It's, it's the budget bill. Okay. Or it's some component of, of Ohio's budget and right. uh, vapor products are in there. They're proposing a 69% wholesale tax Ooh, ouch. Um, on e-liquid. Nice. Um, and uh, this bill also raises the state's OTP tax rate from 17% to 69%. Um, OTP, other tobacco products in Ohio... Uh, encompasses, you know, little cigars and, and other combustible stuff and smokeless Snooze. tobacco. Snooze, um, chew. Yeah, yeah. Snooze, chew, dip, moist snuff, yep. whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, all of that is is lumped into other tobacco products, which made my testimony a bit complicated because I had to say, you know, <laughs> we would recommend an exemption for smoke-free products. Um Right. So, uh, but you know, that's, that's kind of the thing is that, uh, you know, we were able to get out there and, and I was able to provide testimony on behalf of CASA and our 7,500 plus members in the state of Ohio. Awesome. Um, and, and there was a lot of really great testimony and, and it was very clear to see that there, there are some allies on the ways and means committee, um, nice. who asked some, some good questions. Mm -hmm. um, there was some good testimony from the Ohio Vapor Technology Association, Vapor Trade Association, okay. Ohio VTA. I, I apologize okay. for not knowing what Ohio VTA stands for, um, but they are they are a VTA member of Vapor, the Vapor Technology Association. Okay. Um, and uh, so uh, they they lined up some some good speakers. Scott Ely from AMSA also right. uh, presented some testimony. Nice. Um, and, uh, so yeah, there was some, there was some great testimonials from some of the business owners. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, it was a good group. I, I'm really glad I, I, I grew up in Ohio for a little bit, so I'm always happy to get back to the, the Buckeye state and, oh. um, you know, the, the center of the state's pretty flat, but right. you know, where I grew up, there are, there are hills. It's, it's borders on West Virginia and Northern Kentucky. So, okay. um, but it's just, you know, it's Ohio, the good people, salt of the earth, you know, yeah. hard work. And, um, it's the, you know, it's the heartland. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it was good. It was good to be in Columbus. Um, wow. but, uh, yeah, good group of people clearly, you know, there was some some really excellent points made and um i the the role of the ways and means committee as i understand it is this is not the committee that's going to you know remove or add language at all they are taking testimony from various people and i, I should mention that the tax commissioner this was his second time in front of the committee i think this was like two days in a row for him i'm not sure oh, wow. uh, and he took questions from the committee for two and a half maybe three hours wow he stood up there <laughs> to questions <laughs> from them for that long and there was there at one point right around 11 45 12 o'clock 
the, the, the chairman of the committee actually said, now I'm going to blow through lunch. It doesn't mean you have every, you know, everybody, you know, sitting in the, in the gallery and, 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 you know, even, even committee members, you know, he's saying, you know, it doesn't mean you have to sit here. Right. You can go and take care of, you know, get something to drink, get something to eat, go to the bathroom. You're going to see committee members coming in and out. It's not right. because we don't care. It's because there are, you know, there's other business to attend to. And of sure. course you need to take care of yourselves. We don't want people passing out <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of the hearing. <laughs> trust no. me, it has happened before. So wow. trust, try to avoid that and go, you know, take a break when you need to, but we're going to keep going to right. get this done. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, the, all of the vaping testimony was ended up being done, I think probably around two thirty, three o'clock. I can't remember. Um, right. I did not stick around to listen to testimony from, I can't remember if it was lung association or heart association. Um, there was some written testimony that was, was supplied. James Jarvis posted up a, an article, the text of an article that was, um, written about it today, okay. I believe. So that's out there in the wind. Several okay. other people provided written testimony. I know Greg Conley submitted something. Um, Chris Hughes uh, from Pennsylvania submitted something. Um, so you can actually go to, I, I don't know if it's up yet, actually. This 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 hearing on the 9th was not, was not actually, uh, at, at least when I checked, the last time I checked on the uh seventh maybe the eighth um okay. this this particular hearing was not on the the state legislature's website it wasn't on the committee's web page okay. um but ohio has you know one of these things where you can review you know all of the written testimony is posted up and and oh, you can nice. the public can go and, and review it so uh, if you want to read the written testimony submitted by everybody that testified yesterday and people that <laughs> just sent in written testimony um, you can do that. I'm sure you want to read what, what Greg has written and, and, and Chris Hughes and, and I submitted written testimony. Um, Tony Abood from VTA was there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, you can review all of that. And if you really want to read what Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids has to say, that should be up there too. Well, um, I mean, if you've read it once, you've read it a lot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can tell you what it says. Uh, yeah. flavors flavors exist solely to corrupt the minds of young innocent children <laughs> and introduce them to a lifetime of addiction and crime um, american heart association says we don't know enough about these products american lung association says you know we know that this causes short-term irritation of you know throat and, right. and lungs um, which vapors instinctively have found out how to counter that by drinking more water, um, <laughs> which is a very simple thing to do. Right. Um, so yeah, that's all up there. I'm sure on the Ohio uh, ways and Means house ways and means committee okay. webpage, uh, eventually, if it's not up there now, I'm sure it'll, it'll be up there by early next week. Okay. <laughs> you weren't kidding when you said it was a busy week. It's a busy way. I'm not done yet. I, I mean, I, I got home and I still have like people to email and talk to. It's, you know, 630 on a Friday and, and we're, I mean, we're, it's, it's springtime. It, it is full on springtime. There's snow on the ground out here in New Jersey, but right. it is full on springtime. This yep. is, you know, this legislatures, we're in the, you know, the first half of a two year, two year sessions and mm -hmm. committee hearings are happening. Bills are moving. 
things are things are moving on things are dying things are getting tabled it's you know it's it's exciting and you know i mean we haven't even started talking about what's happening at the fda no. <laughs> um this is i mean 15 minutes or maybe yeah 15 20 minutes before i came on uh we got a message that uh, trump is tapping uh, it's not formally announced right um maybe i'm breaking some sort of we're not real you know journalists yeah. here but um well. it, it, the, it, this <laughs> this came from the ap so it's out there in the world okay uh, trump trump has tapped um former fda official scott gottlieb to uh head up the fda okay. um and what this means for us actually i want to quote the the ap story here um Please. dr scott gottlieb would be tasked with trump's goal of cutting red tape at the FDA, which regulates everything from pharmaceuticals to seafood to electronic cigarettes. Trump has called the FDA's drug approval process slow and burdensome, despite mm -hmm. changes to speed reviews, particularly of cutting edge products. Right. We, you know, the, 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 according to many, we may not fall under cutting edge products. I like to think that vapor products are cutting edge products. Me too. Um, and uh, I, I would love for people to throw snooze into the mix there, oh, yeah. um, even though it's been around for, you know, a, a several hundred years um, right. or, yeah, several hundred years. years. Yeah. Not here, um, but. Yeah. In the world. Sweet, I, I want to say earth. even a thousand years. I mean, snooze is one of the oldest kind of processed tobacco products right. out there. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um so the you know this this, this Dr. Gottlieb could be a welcome. Um, this could signal a sea change at 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 FDA. We'll we'll see what happens with the Center for Tobacco Products, um, but certainly there is this movement. Nobody can miss it. There is a movement afoot um, yep. in the executive branch to reduce the the you know the burdensome, certainly the number of regulations, but um, also the you know burdensome regulations that yes. that don't uh, don't really. Well, I mean, you know, if, if the executive branch does what they say they're going to do, um, this is going to make the lives of small business owners better. And then this is all the way around. Um, and it would especially be helpful, I think, for small shop owners. Yeah, it could be kind of a slasher film, you know, horror show kind of way that they're going to go about this. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it could I, uh, I I can't honestly speak to, you know, what this means for other industries, what this means for the environment, what this means for civil rights. Um, you know, some of these regulations that, that are being targeted have, you know, arguably um, resulted in some advancements in those areas. Right. Uh, advancements and protections and, 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 and some change. So, um, it, you know, for, for people that are aware of that, it's a very uneasy time, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's really just kind of strange to be that, that such an extreme measure has to be taken in order well, to get tobacco harm reduction on the table. Um, and, and that's, hopefully. but it is, it is what it is. And, and, yes. and, and, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a very strange time. Nobody can say with any certainty what kind of priority 
you know, vapor yeah. products are going to receive? What kind sure. of priority is harm reduction in, you know, in terms of tobacco? What, what, mm-hmm. what, what kind of priority is that going to receive over the next, I mean, and we're talking about a very, very short window of time here. Right. Things need to change immediately. I mean, in the next three months. Yeah, I know. You know, the, the, there are, are businesses that are, they have leases coming up. Yeah. And, and, a, and, a, and a, you know, a, a lease on a retail space is not like you, you don't sign a month to month lease on something like that. It's not an apartment. It's, no. you know, it's a three to five year commitment, depending on who you're dealing with. Yes. And, 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 and some of these people, you know, who have gotten into these businesses, they're new business owners. They, mm-hmm. they are not aware of the nuances here. And, and a lot of people, I remember um, Cynthia Cabrera and some others, you know, urging people who were getting started in this industry, make sure before you sign that lease, you get a clause in there that says, if the, if the, if the federal government's going to regulate your product out of existence, you need to be able to get out of your lease without a penalty. Yeah. Um, and so there are a lot of people that are locked into leases that, that they're going to suffer from if, yes. unless something changes. And there are other people who they need to know really soon whether or not they're going to be able to stay in that business. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I mean, the, yeah. these are, these are real concerns. And this is these regulations, the, this specific set of regulations is dealing with real people and their lives. Um, it has the potential to make business owners lives better, but it has the potential to stop what is arguably one of the most destructive products out there. I mean, we know it's a disruptive technology and this could completely change the way we think about things. This could end everything as we know it, or it could allow us to continue to help people. I'm, I have a lot more hope than I did this time last year. I'll put it that way. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I just got a message from a friend on, on Facebook. Scott Gottlieb is uh, probably going to be a, a uh, this could, this could be potentially really great for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did actually, I, I was researching some things. Um, uh, Gottlieb was, has an article in the Wall Street Journal about, I don't know how many people remember the FDA going after um, uh, Cheerios. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So he, he has a, a pretty uh, in, insightful article about the FDA's actions towards Cheerios. For those who don't know, by way of background, um, you know, Cheerios got taken to task for for making claims about the the the, the amount of cholesterol that eating Cheerios would reduce. Yeah. Um, certainly there was some healthy heart claims and some, some, I, I don't know if they made weight loss claims mm-hmm. as well. Um, but there, you know, there are sort of some health benefits of adding Cheerios to your diet. And right. for years, Cheerios was allowed to put this on their labeling. Um, and then the FDA kind of went after them for, you know, it, it, it sounds like it was based on the, the amount of, of, of health benefit of, of the amount of cholesterol that you could lower um, yeah. and, and so on. And so uh, it, it was, it was almost kind of an absurd regulation and, or in an, an enforcement action. Um, 
but uh an unregulated you know, new drug product that's what they call it yeah exactly they, 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 they said that the red cheerios <laughs> breakfast cereal would have to be regulated as a drug if they wanted to continue making this claim well um, i mean i i can remember when the fda went after the people that make um make and sell like black cherry juice just sour black cherry juice because people who have arthritis use it because it helps them it helps them get rid of a mm. certain acid in their blood yeah i mean and this is folk wisdom you know what i mean this is stuff my great-grandparents knew and the fda went after the people who made it for making those claims and shut them down and put them out of business they yeah. couldn't put the fda they're not they're not general mills you know they didn't have the money to withstand the fda so Anybody who's opposed to that seems like they at least have some common sense that they're dealing with, and that would be uh, a breath of fresh air in dealing with the FDA. Put it that way. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Dr. Gottlieb is 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 interested in in you know I, I think loosening up some of the 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 you know it, it, at the very least um, you know expediting some some very you know this information there are studies that support these claims right. and it, it's not it's it's really not controversial um mm -hmm. and, there, and there should be a way for consumers to receive this information and make these decisions and um you know this 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 like i said gets into the nutritional labeling on on packaging and sure. um you know and this this directly applies to to harm reduction we mm -hmm. we have this information it exists. <laughs> there yeah. are decades, there's and, decades of data and research into yes. Swedish snooze. Mm -hmm. This, this discussion about whether or not, um, you know, Swedish match should be able to, to, you know, remove, a, it, in the, at the very least, remove one of the warning labels on their product. We, this, this should Did not you? be the subject of two days of no, debate no, no. in, in two it shouldn't, but did you also see the the amount of paperwork Swedish Match was forced to submit to the FDA? I, yeah, I, I haven't seen it personally, but I've heard it takes up 30 feet of shelf space. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it's so many pages that reading through it would make you want to claw your eyes out. And they were forced to do that just to remove a warning label or be able to market itself as a reduced risk product, which we know it is. Science yeah. tells us it is. Um, that's just wasteful. That's wasteful of time. That's wasteful of manpower. Those are people that could be approving drugs for kids with cancer or people with leukemia or experimental therapies and drugs for people who need it to stop from dying. This is a waste of their time. I'm and sorry, this is. And it's essentially, you know, withholding vital information for people who currently smoke. Mm -hmm. It's withholding vital information for people who um, are, are thinking about starting to use any one of a number of tobacco products. Yep. Um, it, it, if, if consumers had that, and people are going to make this decision, I, I don't care who you are. One of the core principles of harm reduction, no matter what, mm -hmm. what, substance or activity we're talking about is that people are going to choose to do risky things right a tenant of of harm a pillar of harm reduction is and people <laughs> should know that there are lower risk alternatives to Absolutely. these certainly risky behaviors if 
people know that snus is a very low risk option in in consuming nicotine right they are likely going to choose that that low risk product and by the fda delaying or prohibiting manufacturers of these low risk products from stating those facts they are in effect killing people i i agree um i agree but a lot of the things the fda does are like that um and and they don't need to be if they're there to i saw a study a couple of months ago and i don't know how true it is i'll i'll dig it out for you alex and you can run wild like i did with it <laughs> <laughs> but i'm looking at it and it's showing the amount of metal that we're inhaling from first gen products and I'm looking at it and it's pretty high compared to what we're inhaling from like the second gen products. And I'm going, all they want us to have is first gen products. How can an agency that's tasked with keeping us healthy not allow us a healthier choice? It, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I don't think that's entirely true. I think they want products that that had maybe a, the kind of some of the, the characteristics of a first generation product, which is that they are closed and yeah. there are limited options mm -hmm. and um, there's sort of um, that there's, there's just, you know, there's restraints on, 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 you know, certain features that, you know, heat and, and, um, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I think eventually we would have seen a product probably similar to um, the jewel um, or, you know, other closed product, which I, from what I understand, the jewel is not entirely closed. No, um, neither is can, the AIO. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, you can hack any one of these things and then put your yeah. own liquid in there or reuse them. Um, but I, I think we would have seen approval for a product like that. Um, it just would have been, you know, in 2020 or 2025, you know, it, it would have been yeah. after years of people making products on their own or using the existing products that, that we had before prohibition, you know, it, yeah. it's, it would have been a mess. It would have been a delay. It would have been an unjustifiable delay. And well, I mean, it might still be, you know it, what it, I mean? Yeah, it might. I, I think, you know, I think I, I honestly feel like we're getting closer and closer to uh, some sort of, you know, executive action on this uh, coming from, you know, people within the FDA. I hope, okay. I, and, and, and I think that there is a certain amount of, of, of pressure that needs to be applied so that we, we either, remain or become a higher priority. I mean, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that, that, you know, this year there are going to be at least tens of thousands of people who are going to reach that point where in the next 30 days, if they, if they make the decision to switch to a smoke-free product, they, they will be able to recover and, and they will be able to avoid, you know, the certain, doom of, of developing a cancer or some other disease that, that shortens their life. They've, they've got 30 days. There are people like that now. Yeah. In the next 30 days, they need to make that decision. And, and, you know, we're experiencing this every day that we're at that point this year where the FDA can make a decision to, you know, allow vapor products to remain on the market and, and change, you know, the, the Congress can, 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 can resolve to amend the Tobacco Control Act 
we can we can change the definition of what a tobacco product is you know at the, at the very least you know we need to to grandfather the, the products that have been on the market that that is that is the very that is the very least that needs to happen oh, is agree. allowing everything that was on the market prior to august 8th 2016 to remain on the market agreed we have all of these options on the table and now it's a matter of making sure that all of these people understand just how much of a priority this needs to be. Man, no, <laughs> it's no, been a it, busy, busy week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. It, it really is a matter of life or death, whether they want to hear that or not. It's the truth. And, yeah. you know, I realize that we're, you know, smokers, ex-smokers, they're not popular people because people are making a moral judgment. But I can also remember, and maybe other people can't, but I can remember when the FDA holding back drugs for people with AIDS was a huge thing. I remember gay people marching on the FDA and screaming at them because their lives mattered. Our lives matter. Our lives matter just as much as every other life. And it's time for the FDA to allow us to live. Don't not allow people to be sentenced to death. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the, 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 the quit or die advice coming from public health people all over the country and from our, you know, our federal agencies is it's, it had its time. It ran its course and now, you know, it's time to start considering a more ethical option. And, and we have the technology we have, we can, we can do this. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done hoping (laughs) done crossing my fingers here. You know, we've got a lot of options on our tape, on our plate and, um, you know, it's, we've got, we've got, we've got this year, we've got the next few months really to, to make this happen. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff to, for us to sift through and prioritize and, and, um, and, and reach out to, to consumers and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and get people involved. And it's, you know, right now at this, at this moment, August 8th.org, you know, for, for people that are, are, are following CASA and paying attention to our, our alerts and our information, Yes. That's where people need to go and, and, and send a message to lawmakers to support H.R. 1136. Okay. Um, and uh, over the next uh, over the next week, um, you know, we're putting together an actual you know, physical letter writing campaign to get people actually sending letters into their their congressmen, sending letters to Secretary Price, um, um, the, the businesses that we're working th- which reminds me, there's, there's, um, remind me to get you the story about the bot that will send faxes to your Congress critters for you. Okay, I'm gonna Somebody... put that. I'm gonna put that on hold. <laughs> we don't want to piss people off. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I mean, th- there are no, but there's, there's a bot now that no, it, it doesn't piss people off if you send it. If you give it a message, mm-hmm. it'll send an automated fax. Okay. So, 
I'll look at that, but I don't want to give people crazy ideas. <laughs> well, I I haven't shared the story anywhere. I just happened to cross it earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we're, 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 we've been, you know, encouraging, you know, ever since the beginning, you know, trying to get people to, to write their own letters is, is exceedingly difficult. And, and so, you know, a lot of the challenge has been, you know, making it easier, making, getting people connected with their lawmakers, be it via phone call or a handwritten letter, or just, you know, sending a, a letter that we've pre-written that people are again and again and again, encouraged to personalize, include your story. That's what people, that's what really, it does actually move lawmakers. I don't care how much criticism we've heard about being anecdotal evidence. I have heard people share their story. I heard it yesterday in Ohio. I've just heard some amazing stories of how people's lives have completely turned around because they quit smoking and started vaping. It, 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 and it does move the needle in our favor. People hear this and, and it, it does strike a chord with them. It is absolutely vital that people, when we have been offering this opportunity for people to include their personal stories, since we started using these various advocacy platforms, we've encouraged people to do this since, you know, before I even came on board, you know, when that was the old school days of listing everybody's contact information, and giving people talking points, it was yeah. always and include your personal story. Um, and so, you know, going forward, we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, get more ways of, of engaging people and get people to share their stories with their lawmakers. It, it really does make a difference. And, um, you know, so that's, these are things that are happening over the next couple of weeks. And, and there are, there are people that we are, you know, focusing on, we've got secretary price, um, we've got, you know, your congressman in, in the States, there are people that, you know, there are state lawmakers that need to hear from you, Whew, man, it's going to be a busy month. Um, so yeah. Um, that is happening. I just, I actually just, uh, confirmed I will be going to a uh, vapor showcase in Atlanta. Okay. Um, you know, we'll have some of this stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're, uh, uh, um, uh, a business owner, um, you know, we're, we're working with, with VTA and, and Safada to, uh, develop campaigns for, for, you know, for you to put in your shops. If you're right. a consumer, we've got, you know, all of these materials that we're going to be, you know, releasing over the next few weeks that, you know, you can take this, you can do it yourself. Um, ideally we want something that's replicatable that, you know, you can take back home with you and, and, um, and share with your friends and, and, you know, get stuff going there. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm starting to ramble on. I'm, I'm absolutely starving. I've had, I've had like a couple of cliff bars to eat today. So I, I need to eat something. Go, go you know, eat. Sustenance. Go but, eat uh, so I apologize for all the ranting and raving and rambling and, and unorganized. That's... We're going to do this and that, and it's going to be great. Um, but, uh, we, we are, but it's, <laughs> it'll yeah. be in a very organized format. And, and I, and I should, I should probably end the note you know, earlier this week, we, we released, uh, there was a letter that I signed um, and Tony Abood from VTA signed, Pamela Gorman uh-huh. from Safada signed, and Gregory Conley right. from the American Vaping Association signed. And, and we sent this off to um, uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan and right. uh, Leader uh, Nancy Pelosi sure. um, and, uh, you know, urging them to, to, you know, pass legislation to change the predicate date. Um, and, and I, I just want to emphasize, you know, 
we, as, as these, you know, individual groups, we have been working together to make things happen since last year. Right. Um, I know that people were, were sort of relieved to see everybody on the same page and doing that. And I understand that, you know, publicly, I guess we haven't really communicated very well that, that we have all been working behind the scenes to coordinate together. our messages and, and, and strategize together and, 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 and really work to engage as many people as we can right. to, you know, get them in front of lawmakers and, and get, you know, the message out there that, that all of this stuff needs to change. But, um, you know, this week we were able to put that letter out. I'm, I'm really happy to see people, you know, um, and seeing, you know, being able to see finally that, that we have all been working together on this and yeah. um, we're going to continue working together. Um, yeah. I'm really glad to be working with this group of people and, and you awesome. know, they're all, they're all friendly and intelligent and, and bring a lot of experience to the fight. And awesome. um, it's going to be, it's, it's a do or die kind of year. There's this looming, you know, there's always that looming threat of like, you know, we don't know, we know what's going to happen next, be it at the state level, local level. Right. Hopefully, hopefully we're getting things sorted. You know, hopefully the wind is starting to change in our favor at the federal level, but right. um, you know, um, it's just, just now it, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> you know, to be able to be working with all these people and coordinating and, and really moving in the same direction. So sure. we get to end on a high note. Yeah. It's now was an exciting time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's great. Um, and if that's it for this week, I'll let you go get something to eat and rest. You sound like you could use a little break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we will see you next week. And thank you for everything you do for us, Alex. Um, thank you. Also, remember, you can get CASA podcast updates at CASA.org. You can get them on SoundCloud.org. You can also get them by subscribing on Apple iTunes. So there is always a way to know what CASA is doing. Thank you for listening. Have a good evening. Thanks. Bye. Okay. And welcome to Auntie Nanny. Good evening, Barry. How are you this evening? I'm good. Since it's this, just this, us. Yeah, this year was uh, Wednesday was my six year anniversary. So yeah. Oh, that's cool. You know, I don't even. I, what I need to do is go back to um oh god to the 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 original vaping forum i was a part of um the biggest vaping forum and i'm not going to promote it but we all know which one it is and i need to see what my sign up date was because i think i'm closing in on seven or eight years myself yeah. so yeah uh congratulations on your vape anniversary that's really cool so most of these 75 pages that I put together last week before I got sick are completely unusable. <laughs> <laughs> they're not completely unusable, but uh, they're not going to be referenced this evening. We have a limited amount of time and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, so I guess it's not really news to anybody about uh, Vault 7 and Year Zero. No. Shouldn't be anyway. No. 
Well, I mean, if you're not living under a rock, then you know that WikiLeaks has been hyping what is Vault 7 for months and months and months and months. Um, they also dumped Year Zero. Year Zero is a very diverse collection of stuff. Um, possibly the most interesting thing that I've seen was the meme warfare. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of ridiculous. Um, it seems like the CIA wants to win the hearts and minds of the people, um, which is kind of ridiculous. But they need to roll back like a uh, hundred years or so. Then, yeah, yeah uh, it's very funny all the way around. Just looking at their collection of memes and then their little collection of emojis, because. Uh, they're infiltrating the gamers' networks. They're infiltrating everywhere they can to try to figure out, you know, what it is we're all about. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> insane that, yeah, as Shay, they're trying to get into the gaming networks. And you're like, really? Have, have they not seen the way people there behave? They're really yeah. not going to get any good useful. outcomes yeah. or any useful yeah. information from hanging out with gamers when they're gaming. Um, yeah. Not so much. Not so much. Unless the CIA really get attracted to the word noob. Uh. <laughs> Which they might. You never know. I think what's interesting is that the first dump was called Year Zero. And there's... I don't want to say that I think Julian Assange is a fan of Nine Inch Nails because I don't. I think year zero refers to something different completely, completely and totally different from the Nine Inch Nails year zero release. Although that was pretty horrific and heartbreaking to listen to. But there is a political definition of year zero and I thought I would read it just so people could juxtapose it, I guess. The term year zero, Kimar. Applied to the takeover of Cambodia in April 1975 by the Khmer Rouge is an analogy to year one of the French Revolutionary Calendar. During the French Revolution, after the abolition of the French mo monarchy, September 20th, 1792, the National Convention instituted a new calendar and declared the beginning of year one. The Khmer Rouge takeover of Phnom Penh was rapidly followed by a series of drastic revolutionary deindustrialization processes resulting in a death toll that vastly exceeded that of the French reign of terror. The idea behind Year Zero is that all culture and traditions within a society must be completely destroyed or discarded, and a new revolutionary culture must embrace it, starting from scratch. All history of a nation or people before Year Zero is deemed largely irrelevant, as it will ideally be purged replaced from the ground up. In Cambodia, teachers, artists, intellectuals were especially signaled out and executed during the purges accompanying year zero. So I think what Assange um, was trying to state with year zero, with calling it year zero, was that um, this was the beginning of taking of of hopefully people taking and scattering it to the four winds. The unfortunate part, when you dig further into the year zero dump, 
is that you find much of the things we already knew. Correct? Yeah. You, you find that the CIA was spying on people's Samsung TVs. You find that they had some ability with their... Um, with hacks they've been buying from other governments or yeah, mention with malware of they've been... again. <laughs> yes, of malware they've been repurposing and keeping secret. Um, they use a lot of zero-day exploits. Yeah. And, you know, they're very interested in breaking into cars, which... Breaking into cars remotely... They're very interested in tapping into a car's chipset, if it has one. Um, and we know that from, what was it, a year ago, a year and a half ago, Wired, they just had a couple of people who were very technically minded who were able to take a car and completely take it over when someone was driving it. Shut its engine off when it was on the highway. Going 50, all of a sudden, boom, you know shuts the engine off really scary moment for the guy driving the car and he was talking to these people so he knew stuff was coming just not necessarily that uh the cia is extremely interested in that they're extremely interested in the internet of things in how connected we are they're interested in clothing that has chips in it to see how we wash and dry our clothes. There is not a moment that you are not doing something that you're not connected to something. This is the danger of the Internet of Things, and this is why I've always said I think we're going to see a real interest in the DIY culture. I think we're going to see a, a rollback from people. I see people going out with flip phones now they didn't have them before i see that a lot now i see people you know not being so connected to their devices and talking to one another and i think that's probably a really good side effect of knowing that this interconnectedness is so pervasive All right there's no there's no way to avoid it, really. And the only way to avoid it, really, is to connect to one another. Okay. Well, interestingly, the the release of the nostalgia phone, the 3310, might have come yeah. at just the right moment. Yeah. yeah, it's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've got some stories that relate to this, and... It's probably better if I just read them instead of just go off like I have been. Although, uh, did you find anything in interesting in the Year Zero stuff at all? Or no? Was Not it just really, like no. I did? Stuff stuff we already pretty much knew. We know what the government's interested in now. And, you know, there's a list that I kind of would like to see of 2,200 IP addresses that have been hacked by the CIA, but those have been redacted. I did want to say I, I think Assange um, approached this in a more careful way than he has most of his previous data dumps. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, Assange is starting to realize he's going to have to moderate himself 
or he's going to be living in that embassy for the rest of his life. Uh, I, I, I don't think he has much of a life left, to, to be perfectly honest with this. And I think it's really funny when we, we talk about, and, and I'll get to this in a minute, when I see Donald Trump screaming that Obama wiretapped me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I don't know of any news agency that isn't laughing their ass off over that one. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and I get that. But notice he was screaming and losing his shit about it. Yeah. And then the year zero dump comes out. Yeah. And you look at the stuff and you go, they weren't just looking at you. They were looking at everyone. What people seem to forget, the New York Times, the day that Trump was inaugurated, had a story on their front page. There was a line in the story, and I'll go dig it out so that we have linkage to prove it. But in this story, the director of the CIA says that they were indeed monitoring all internet traffic in and out of Trump Towers to see if there was any connection with Russia. So they weren't wiretapping him. They were watching the whole complex. And they admitted it to the New York Times. The thing that strikes me about this is that they just conveniently forgot this when he was losing his shit. Well, it's Although, it's not just that, though. It, it's the fact he directed it at Obama, and Obama probably didn't know anything about it. Well, do you know... <laughs> he didn't right, order it. It was, it was an ongoing in, investigation. It's in like, 1991, we signed a piece of legislation here that the only person who could command the CIA to investigate or look at people or not wiretap them, but investigate them through cyber means on American soil was the American president. I don't know if Obama knew that. I don't know if Trump knew that. I don't know if he was clever enough to know that. I don't know if he knows enough about American history to know that. I don't know if he knows enough about bills that have been signed or the history of the CIA. Yeah. But let's face it, the average president, as Trump is now discovering, uh, he's basically just there to sign shitloads of papers every day and look good in public. Um, Pretty much. So they sign and loads of stuff that they have no idea what it is. Yeah, well, they, they sign Literally, stuff no that they... human has enough time in the day to read everything that they're signing. Yeah. Well, and I believe that if Obama did not know that this was going on and he did not order it, then there is something very dangerous and very scary going on in the intelligence community that it's... There always has been. (laughs) Right. Oh, there always has been. We've always tried to rein it in and put a leash on it and you really can't do it. You can try. Go ahead. Uh, what I think probably happened, and yeah, I don't know this for definite, but the CIA were going to investigate connections between Republican campaign, probably the Democrats as well, because the CIA don't trust anybody with connection to Russia, because Russia's really big in cyber war, and the CIA know that. So during during the run-up to the election, the CIA would have been monitoring everybody's traffic. And what they'll have put through to get signed would just be that. They wouldn't have mentioned any names. 
They wouldn't have mentioned an individual political party even. They've just gone, we've got to monitor internet traffic for, you know, well, potential I mean, foreign influence. Exactly. Well, I mean, and we've talked about the difference that the, the different languages that the intelligence community yeah. uses and their different definitions and what they mean. Well, for a start, they hardly ever use names. They wouldn't have said, yeah, we, we, uh, we want to monitor Trump Tower. Yeah, they no, definitely they would, would not have said that. No, they no might have Trump's said name New York. would not have come up. Yeah. No, they might have said uh, places in New York. I mean, this is just kind of par for the course with the way they work. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I mean, I think if he had the intelligence to understand the points he was trying to make, and, and um, I don't know that he did, then <laughs> technically... He was actually correct. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, technically, that's a correct statement. Although the term wiretapping is completely incorrect in this yeah, sort yeah, of Trump's still instance. in the nineteen fifties, uh, and the intelligence community has moved on. It's moved way on. <laughs> so there's that, and I, I find that pretty interesting when you look at it all together and people aren't taking the pieces and looking at all together uh i love that the cia has a computer program called ricky bobby <laughs> i just want to tell you that i think that's some hysterical shit they have the funniest names for all their stuff weeping angel weeping angel is their program that Snoops on your Samsung TV, right? So, and there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. Still and not as problem, good as GCHQ and their Smurfs. Yeah, GCHQ does like the Smurfs. And the other thing I really noticed about all this Signet stuff that was coming out, if you take a look at it, most of the stuff from Signet Intelligence seems like it's named after Pokemon characters. I mean, what is up with that? These people... <laughs> A load of middle-aged security analysts who've got young kids. <laughs> I guess. So here, I said I was going to talk about this, and this is just because people are not up in arms about this, and it's mostly because I think the media is running on and on about this crazy Trump and his wiretapping story. Okay? But people don't know what the CIA does. They know a few things. Right, they maybe know about uh, Operation Northwoods, and maybe I'm giving people too much credit because I've mentioned that to people before, and the blank looks on their face. I'm like, "Do you, really? You don't know about Operation Northwoods, or you don't know about Paperclip, or you?" <laughs> These are just things that we know from the past. So I'm I'm going to go on give you a small list. And this is called the craziest CIA operations the government doesn't want you to know about. Project Pigeon, 1944. Technology was so primitive during World War II that the CIA actually enlisted pigeons to conduct some of their operations. So what exactly were they trained to do? Well, just help guide their missile systems. Nothing important, really. Researcher B.F. Skinner was hired by the agency to teach these birds a thing or two about defending our country. Unfortunately, there was never really any progress as the pigeons would just fly off course. That's $25,000 down the drain for one of the stupidest projects in our country's history. So, Project Pigeon. Good job, CIA. Operation Northwoods, 1962. 
The CIA proposed Operation Northwoods to President John F. Kennedy in 1962. The Cold War was in full effect, and in order for the U.S. to take the upper hand against Cuba, they're forced to do something drastic. The controversial project entailed the U.S. government actually going out and committing a series of violent terror attacks against their own people. From bombings to hijackings, riots, and assassinations, they're ready to dish it all out. But why would the United States commit such heinous crimes against their own people? Well, that's because they wanted to have a good excuse to put all the blame on Cuba and wage war against the communists. They just needed a good reason. With Fidel Castro in power, they were looking for any way to remove this status. JFK eventually rejected, uh, rejected this order. Operation Mockingbird, 1951. Americans were being fed tons of propaganda during the 1950s, and this was all thanks to Operation Mockingbird. The CIA conducted mass manipulation of some of the largest press agencies. Everything from the New York Times to Newsweek and even Time magazine were a part of this. Literally every story or headline they ran was controlled by the CIA. This was, as a result, a heavily influenced public opinion. However, the operation came to light in the 1960s, and the public realized they had been duped. Not that they did much about it. This is possibly my favorite. And you and I have shown each other pictures of this and just went, oh, God, I can't believe they did that. Operation Acoustic Kitty. 1967, in perhaps the most wasteful attempt of obtaining intelligence, the CIA set out to use a common house cat as a master of espionage. The results? Well, just as you'd expect. Over 20 million was invested into Acoustic Kitty as recording devices were strapped to felines and even had surgically implanted microphones, antennae, and battery in their tails. The goal was to release them around the Russian embassy to collect intel. Unfortunately, the first cat put into the field was run over by a taxi, and the operation was dropped shortly after. Bay of Pigs, 1960. The Bay of Pigs was supposed to be the biggest operation in our country's history. However, after much miscue, the secret operation to invade Cuba ended up more violent than was intended. Over 1,300 Cubans were trained by the CIA to dethrone Castro. However, Cuban intelligence soon became more of these plans. As a result of this project, 100 Americanized Cubans and 2,000 Cubans were killed. And that was all during the initial assault. Americans were soon forced to surrender as they were ready for a full attack. Operation Mongoose, 1962. In yet another attempt to overthrow Castro, the CIA implemented Operation Mongoose. This time it was a little more straightforward as members were looking to assassinate him. One of the interesting ways they went about this was by poisoning his own personal supply of cigars, Fidel Castro's, who we're talking about. Fidel somehow ended up surviving all these frivolous attempts, and this operation was yet another failure. Operation Midnight Climax, 1950s. During the 50s and 60s, the United States was being introduced to a bounty of new drugs, many of which they didn't know the effects of yet. So what did they do? Well, they tested them. Using human subjects, of course, because the CIA really likes to do that. LSD was one of the biggest mysteries, and thanks to the CIA, citizens were being administered the trippy drug in an interesting way. The program used safe houses from California to New York, filled with prostitutes to lure people in. Once inside, the gentlemen would be more open to experimenting, and from there, agents could observe them through two-way mirrors. Here they could see the behavior patterns of the drug and subsequently watch them free live porn. Not a bad deal, I guess. But after sexual blackmail became an issue, the operation died down. Good thing they collected enough data. The Stargate Project, 1995. As per usual, the CIA is always looking for any edge when it comes to collecting data. So when 
posed with the prospect of studying psychic abilities, they threw in a measly $20 million to launch the Stargate project. Using self-proclaimed psychics, this project turned out to be a major failure due to some pretty piss-poor results. I guess there really was such a thing as superhuman abilities. The government would be using them. Operation MKUltra. 1950s through today. So I, I don't know how accurate that timeline is. In the most daring of operations conducted by the CIA, the agency decided, decided to conduct experiments of mind control to essentially create zombies to perform certain tasks. The test subjects were once again American citizens who were recruited and given LSD or amphetamines, electric shocks, and various forms of brainwashing. People were pretty much tortured and pushed to their limits, both physically and chemically. The results of Project MKUltra were successful, although what that entails remains to be classified. It is also said that these acts are still being carried out today, however, on a much less hazardous scale. So that's just a tiny bit of history for people who don't know what the CIA is really about. And that, that's only a few of them. But the, Stargate really Project, is. will nobody think of the goats? <laughs> and the yeah, the, the Ultra program's also pretty well known. And it's given yeah. us lots of nice action movies. Uh, I liked American ones. Ultra. And American Ultra is hilarious. Yeah. American Ultras, I actually really like that film, and I don't like the girl from those horrible vampire movies. Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I don't like her as an actress, but she actually wasn't too bad in this. She wasn't like a one-dimensional coat it's hanger. It's a wonderful love story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that. Well, that's so... what it basically is. Well, it kind of He just is. wants to hang yeah. out with his girlfriend. He loves her. <laughs> yeah, he does. So, yeah. But yeah, that's um, that's that's a selection of some of the programs they've been up the, to since they were the, uh, incepted. There are, there are more, but oh, yeah. I didn't have 74 pages to discuss the CIA operations that we know about. And, and Operation Midnight Climax, that was only half of the operation. They had a second half where they were giving gigantic doses of these new drugs to soldiers to try and see if it... Uh, will this help them in combat? Jacob's Ladder. Does uh, anybody remember yeah. Jacob's Ladder? Because uh, yeah. there, there used to be videos of the soldiers who were given, you know, like 50 times the street dose of PCP. Yeah, I'm sure that was... It didn't yeah. go well. Uh, no. Most of the soldiers it, ended up getting shot by their yeah, guards. Because, no. of course, they didn't give them to active servicemen. They gave, gave them to the ones they'd locked up. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that would I be... can't remember the name of that project. But, yeah, it was at the same time that Midnight Climax was going on. Yeah. But, they I mean, testing I high just... high doses. Yeah. I mean, and I just picked a small selection. Yeah. Um, there's a really good podcast I listened to called Clandestine. And Clandestine is all about the CIA and the NSA and Army, etc. And their involvement in the making of films, TV programs, etc. It, it, it's some really interesting stuff. The CIA only likes to see itself portrayed quite nicely. Uh, for instance, they were not 
too interested in being involved in American Ultra, surprisingly. <laughs> they didn't feel like they were represented well there, if I remember correctly. They so, pitched a little uh, bit about Argo as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's what can you do? So that podcast is really interesting because I, I don't think people realize the propaganda they're being fed, even through films like uh, the Avengers movies or Doctor Strange, but it's all there. All the intelligence agencies have their fingers in all the entertainment pies. And unless you know that you're being influenced, you know, it just passes as entertainment. And it, it is entertainment, but the CIA kind of has their hands in everything. That's what they do. And they do dirty shit. They, <laughs> they get involved in everything. So... This, I believe, comes from the, is it the Washington Post? Or no, this is USA Today, who's doing, surprisingly, again, really good reporting. I got to tell you, I'm really surprised by the reporting the, you know, USA Today has actually been doing on this stuff. And they were the first one to have something out. I mean, after the AP, of course, latched on to, you know, Vault 7. WikiLeaks says it has exposed the CIA's hacking operations. Here's what we know. Well, we know a bit more than that, but this is, this is what USA Today put in print. WikiLeaks, known for its high-profile releases of confidential government information, has published a trove of documents it says exposes the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency's hacking operations. In a statement, the CIA declined to comment on the authenticity of the documents, which they described as purported. Security experts, however, are concerned with one expert saying that it is a possible sign that the spy agency has, quote, lost control over its cyber, cyber arsenal. Here's what we know so far. What do the documents claim to reveal? WikiLeaks says the documents have details about the size and scope of the CIA's hacking capabilities. The agency's hacking division has more than 5,000 users and produced more than 1,000 Trojans, viruses, and weaponized malware, WikiLeaks said in a statement on its website. The hacking program laid out in the documents has the ability to tap into iPhones, Google Android phones, Microsoft Windows operating systems, and Samsung smart televisions, which can act as microphones. WikiLeaks said the agency could place smart TVs into fake off mode, which allowed the agency to record conversations when the TV was seemingly off. The information, WikiLeaks said, would then be sent to a covert CIA server. The CIA has created, in effect, its own NSA, with even less accountability and without publicity or publicly answering a question as to whether such massive budgetary spend on duplicating the capabilities of a rival agency could be justified, WikiLeaks said on its website. Was anyone hacked with these tools in the U.S.? Legally speaking, these cyber weapons can't be used against U.S. citizens within the United States without the permission of the proper legal authorities, and we currently have no information at this point that they were. The CIA can, however, legally use the tool outside of the U.S., and as the constitutional limitations that bind it don't apply outside U.S. borders. If they were used, it would have to have been done by the FBI, not the CIA. The domestic authority of the CIA is incredibly limited, said Robert Kanatuch, a partner at the law firm Darcy & Whitney. I call shenanigans. The only thing they can do is debrief people that have been overseas. They have no authority and are, in fact, forbidden 
from conducting operations in the United States, said Kanata, who was previously a trial attorney for the United States Department of Justice and also special counsel to the Secretary of the Navy. These weapons are also expensive and difficult to create, making it unlikely the CIA used them on ordinary citizens. What is WikiLeaks? Really? They had to explain WikiLeaks in the front page of USA Today. WikiLeaks is a multinational media organization and associated library, according to its website. It was founded by its publisher, Julian Assange. In 2006, Assange has been holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London since 2012 to avoid extradition to Sweden, where he's been accused of sexual assault in the United States, where he fears probable espionage charges. WikiLeaks has run a global campaign to expose government secrets through a series of controversial and sometimes embarrassing document dumps in recent years. One led to the imprisonment of Chelsea Manning, who spent six years behind bars for leaking hundreds of thousands of classified documents through the WikiLeaks website. This new data dump, is it all true? USA Today hasn't been able to verify the documents, which were released Tuesday. In a statement, the CIA declined to comment on the authenticity of the documents, which the agency described as purported. How many documents are there? WikiLeaks says it has released thousands of documents, which is probably the largest ever publication of confidential documents on the CIA. How did they get those? They did not reveal their source. However, the organization did say the CIA Center for Cyber Intelligence lost control of the majority of its hacking arsenal, which provided the entire hacking capacity of the CIA. Will there be an investigation? Representative Ted Lieu Democrat of California quickly called for an investigation by Congress in the wake of the release. The potential privacy concerns are mind-boggling, Lou said. We need to know if the CIA lost control of its hacking tools, who may have those tools, and how do we protect the privacy of Americans? What do security experts think? Jay Williams of the rendition InfoSec security team said hackers and those who combat them will put the documents to use in the coming days or weeks. This is a treasure trove of information, Williams said. We're regularly dealing with corporations being attacked by nation-state hacking groups. This gives us a lot of insight into how they do it. Scott Vernick of the law firm Fox Rothschild has said if it was true, then at a minimum, this is Snowden 2.0. Referring to the former government contractor Edward Snowden, the leaked details of the U.S. surveillance program's news outlets. We're talking about an extensive hacking and malware program by the most powerful and largest intelligence-gathering organization in the world, that purportedly lost control over the arsenal. Okay. And the tech companies say, according to the document, CIA hackers could break into devices such as iPhones, Androids, phones, PCs, running Microsoft Windows, and this is where it gets interesting, please listen, running Microsoft Windows and Samsung Smart TVs, plus encrypted acts such as WhatsApp and Signal. That's where I have a problem. Signal is considered the best of the best. Okay, so I have a problem with that. You might be wondering what the impacted tech companies have to say about this. For now, it's not much. Microsoft, Google, and WhatsApp, owned by Facebook, told USA Today they are looking into the matter. Apple and Signal did not respond to email messages seeking comment on the report. The documents showed the CIA developers' penchant for pop culture. They named programs and techniques after the television series Doctor Who, as well as the films Talladega Nights and Fight Club. The documents revealed the fake-off smart TV technique was named Weeping Angel, a nod to a recurring group of villains in Doctor Who. An implant for computers running Microsoft Windows went by the name Ricky Bobby, 
the character played by Will Ferrell in the 2006 film Talladega Nights. Fight Club was the name for the Trojan spread by the thumb drives. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting leak in some ways, but in others it's not. Uh, well, I mean, what, what I've said is a lot of this stuff we've known before, and a lot yeah. of this shit has been floating around in the dark places for a while now. Yeah. We've known, we, you and I have known about a lot of this shit for a long time. And you and I have talked to each other about this, but I haven't talked to and them, about them this going, to anybody else. Yeah, I mean, them going, oh, the CIA's lost control. No, they haven't. Mm-mm. No, they want you to know. Th- this a lot of this stuff that's in this dump, as you say, has been known about for quite a while. Yeah. uh, And isn't what they're actively using now. So, Any information you get from a a CIA dump, an FBI dump, or any sort of military technology that you happen to see leaked is 10 to 15 years behind what they're actually using now. Well, it's, it's not quite as big a gulf these days, due to but it used computers. to be. But yeah, also, I'm sorry, but I just don't trust WikiLeaks anymore. Because uh, a lot of the stuff that comes up is definitely misinformation. Well, but of course, you know, there's no way of knowing which is the true stuff, which is the fake I stuff. Because the, um, well, I mean, the CIA aren't dumb. No. I've said this before, they will be deliberately planting false stuff for hackers to get hold of. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah, because of that's what you do. That's what well. secret you know, spy agencies have always done. You have the information you keep secret and then you have the stuff that you want I mean, the enemy agents to find. Right, and here's the funny thing. A lot of the stuff looks like it's actually been declassified when you look at these documents, right? So that tells me they're using something even more spectacular than that. Like they're, you know, the experimental stuff we talk about where, okay, the wiring in your home is what, 60 hertz? Or at least it is here in America. 50 in the UK, but yeah. Okay, so it's like, so it's like 60 hertz here. And that's a perfect frequency for radio antennas. You know, the entire home structure is basically hooked up to be listened to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, and each one of your keys makes a corresponding different sound when you type on it. That if the intelligence agencies really want, they don't need keystroke loggers. They don't need any of this malware to put on your machine. They can just monitor it by long range long wave radio you know what i mean well it's, it's a bit more not... complicated than that but yeah but i'm i i am dumbing it down yeah. also i don't really understand the technology behind it but i do understand it's a viable thing um once again i'm going to point people to a, a jacob applebaum lecture called to protect and infect part two um and this was all about the ed snowden dumps and it was a piece written for Der Spiegel, Spiegel magazine. Um, and if you can find the piece, it's written in German. But it's very 
interesting to go through and it, it shows how they hacked people on mass. But there's also some experimental stuff in there where they can beam waves through your home and watch what you're doing. Watch you. Huh. So you literally have no privacy at all. And there's no long-term studies on what long-term x-rays through the home does to people, but I imagine it's not a fun thing. There's a guy in, right? England, there's a guy in England who knows what high-frequency high waves do, do at a house. Right. Um, he he happened to have a house between two American bases in the UK. Oh, good lord! This this was back in the nineties. Um, uh-huh. th- they say it was a radar <laughs> system, but it became yeah. misaligned, and the guy's house was on a direct line between two of the dishes, God. and every electrical cable in his house spontaneously combusted one evening. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm talking about just the long term health effects of this. Well, yeah, imagine, Not, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to live in that guy's house. No, <laughs> like, me either. I, I'd be suing the shit out like of somebody. Oh, the, I mean, they paid to have his whole house redone, but yeah. It's like, I'd how long had he been sitting in the house <laughs> absorbing all those um, rays? Yeah. 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 Before, I mean, yeah, yeah, it set his electrical system on fire and yeah it's not it's not exactly like captain america and his mass his little vita rays bullshit no yeah. this is this is like it's not on par with the hulk but it's 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 bad shit you, you really don't want to be absorbing this stuff so like i said I, I really think there's a part of me now that wonders right we trust ed snowden right why do we do well, that no. No, no, no. No, but I, I mean, like, seriously, why do people trust him? I mean, I, I trusted him at first. I, I was all like, yeah, yeah, go look at this. This is great. What has changed? Since he's gone public, what in the fuck has changed? Nothing. 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 Because. Well, I mean, you, you know my opinion state... on it. I never trusted him in the first place. Because, yeah. Oh, right. I, I think he's just another in the long line of. Deliberate patsy leaking type people. Yeah, I mean, because if they're if they're really that security conscious, yeah, he wouldn't have got. He'd have maybe yeah. maybe made it to Hong Kong, and that's as far as he'd have got. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have to ask myself. The more I look into all these people, like William Binney, and, and all the rest of these people, right? They're all together with, and I hate to say this, Glenn Greenwald and a whole bunch of other people, and they're all in these foundations together, and they're all doing this stuff together. I don't think Ed Snowden really made any money from the stories that that he gave to The Guardian or or what have you. I think he might have been a dupe. Do you know what I mean? I think they might have duped him. I think... In all honesty, I think it was a CIA operation because the NSA can get away with so much more, right? And the CIA wanted to reinstill fear, not just into the people in this country, but globally. And so this whole thing with Snowden and then the WikiLeaks stuff, I I don't know. I don't know that I trust it. I don't know that I buy it. The stuff is... 
ridiculous. A lot of the information in the wiki dumps is old. Although the weaponized meme stuff, <laughs> that's kind of great. That's kind of great. And, and I think um, you would be surprised at how many military intelligence agencies take that shit extremely seriously. Oh, yeah. We talked about, I think there's a lot more things out there that mean more. I think the Minerva initiative that we talked about a couple of years ago yeah. uh, and the stuff they're doing is terrifying. I think it's terrifying on a level that people should really pay attention to. I think the fact that the army is putting out these videos telling people that by the year 2030, they want to take over all the cities in the world because, Hey, they're going to be overrun and there's going to be underground economies. It's, that shit's terrifying. That shit we should be paying attention to. I don't know. This this WikiLeaks dump, it's just not what everybody thinks it is. No. It's, it's part of the information war. It's all the information war. Mm-hmm. It's all the it's information just, yeah, war. It's the, the thing I always found incredibly suspect about Snowden is this, oh, he managed to sneak this flash drive out of with all this information on it so right. no secure site I know certainly in the UK and I doubt America's any different um, when he was <laughs> when you're leaving you're getting x-rayed why are you getting x-rayed it's not to see what you're carrying it's to fuck up any electronic storage you might be taking out of the building because you're not allowed to go in with your smartphones and stuff did you know, you, you pick him up the... in your lockers on the way out. I right, mean, you, he claims you... he, you know, he hid it and shielded it, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't work. Did you see the movie Snowden? Yeah. Okay, so he's saying that he hid it and shielded it, shield, yeah. shielded it inside look, look, of the, Rubik's yeah, cube. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, unless it was a lead-lined cube, <laughs> <laughs> which would have shown up on the scanners. Uh, yeah, it's. That plus fact, I, yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing. It would have set off any decent security system because they'd be able to see the thumb drive inside the bloody Rubik's Cube. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, the more and more... They're I very dense this... um, flash drives, if people yeah. don't know. There's a yeah. very dense set of... Um, if you look at a micro SD card uh-huh. or your phone's SIM card, there's this big metal plate and that's the chip. That's that's what's holding the information. Right. It shows up like that, a flash drive, on mm-hmm. a security scanner. They can see, you know? oh, big big bunch of high density electronics, because right. they I use mean, heavy metals and gold. They're, yeah. They show up really easily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do, do you realize how much it bothers me that I've sat here looking at these dumps and going, okay, so what do we know? We yeah. know from Wired that they could take over a car. So I yeah. tr- I tend to trust Wired, right? I just do, okay? I saw the video. i pretty sure know that that shit's fact. I trust that. I know Samsung TVs have been snooped on. I pretty much know that for fact because people were losing their damn minds about it. All right? I pretty much know that the CIA does nefarious shit. That I believe. But I also believe 
in some sort of way, either WikiLeaks was compromised in the beginning or it has been compromised through the Tor nodes for a long fucking time. It doesn't need to be compromised. I say they just need to keep feeding them. Bullshit. Keeping bullshit, them in the yeah. dark and feeding them bullshit like they're mushrooms. Give them a, few, mean, a few bits of real information, information. dump it inside thousands of pages of complete crap. Right, because like, yeah, a big thing was made. Faces. A big thing was made during the original dumps, uh, Manning's mm -hmm. dumps, about all the uh, you know diplomats' telegrams and all that, and oh, mm -hmm. this is terrible, and it's like yeah, that's basic communications. Foreign governments had that anyway. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that that yeah. wasn't being sent through ultra secure channels. You know, because you know, most I people really don't realize. Even in this day and age, ultra-secure uh -huh. channels is an agent is given papers, he is uh -huh. put on a plane, he is sent to where they want the papers to go. Yep. That's still the way it's done now. That's the most well, secure communication. Well, it is the most secure communication. Anything you do over the internet, email, even if you use a really good email, right, uh, they can look at it. So yeah. there is nothing that you can do with your smartphone, with your tablet, with your computer that cannot be watched, that cannot be thrown inside that fucking Utah data center. And the <laughs> worst part of all this, right, is we don't just have one data center, right? right? And people don't know this. The Utah data center is just one. That's just the NSA, yeah. That's just one, okay? So how many more yottabytes of information is there about you everywhere? Well, that I mean, it's, it. uh, I've said before, it's estimated the FBI mm -hmm. have at least comparable storage, yep. but theirs is decentralized. It's not in one mm -hmm. big location because they're not so, stupid. Uh, well, right, the CIA but, probably uh, has they, more. They might be stupid, and, and I'll tell you why they might be stupid. I think it's stored on Amazon cloud servers. Because everything the government does, if you pick up any like real government document through whatever means you get them, uh, and you open the PDF file, it's always a PDF from Amazon cloud. Always. You can always track it right back to the Amazon cloud. Always. Always. And I yeah, but then if I was gonna if I, if I was gonna obscure where I was keeping information, I'd make sure that happened too. Um And I mean that's the, the <laughs> other interesting thing, the the one interesting thing in the WikiLeaks dump and the thing that I actually believe and this this is I think the kernel truth that's buried in there. The one th this is the one thing I believe. They have the ability to take any document they want and change it and obscure where it's coming from. Just yeah. like any good hacker would. Yes. Right? Or could. That's the one thing that I believe they actually have the ability to do. About the rest of it, I don't know. I think a lot of this is intended to spread fear. Yeah. The problem with the WikiLeaks dumps, right? Yes, they say there's 22,000 IP addresses that have been compromised right and they won't release those that's unusual for wikileaks 
but they're well, not it's, releasing it's because it's a joke 22,000 is such a pathetically low number low number you've got the size of exactly. the internet <laughs> but if you look at these things they're they're incredibly expensive but the easiest way to hack a person is through your interpersonal relationships it's through the yeah. stupid shit you do every fucking day social media social media not just social media mainly but social inter- media these days though <laughs> right but interactions you might have with people you don't know yeah uh, things you say out loud things you say when you're at work these are the easiest ways for you to be compromised they are the easiest ways for you to be compromised that's why like we've been saying for a while don't use tour please do not use tour Tour is compromised. We know Tour is compromised. We know there are CIA agents on there. We know there's FBI agents. So Tor is quite possibly the least secure thing you could possibly fucking use. No, it sounded like well, such a great apart thing. from maybe Yahoo Mail, but you know. Well, Yahoo, I cannot. <laughs> that company just that thing needs to be shot, put out of its damn misery. You know. I love that they knew they were being exploited. And yet the president just fucking ignored it. Just went, yes, business as usual. Really? Because <laughs> that seems stupid. Because, like, that wasn't going to get out. I mean, I think what we think we know is not exactly what we know. But the things that we do know that are true are definitely in there. So... They can sign off anything they want. So all this bullshit about Russian hacking, that could be the CIA. Right? That's all that election bullshit. It could be anybody. And that's that's the thing. The internet, when used correctly, when not weaponized, is the great anonymizer. Yes. It it makes everybody anonymous and it, it's a weirdly level playing field. Um, you know, until governments get their hands in it. But it has this way of making everybody the same, except for people with exceptional tech skills who are probably 16 and 17, and I'm never going to be one of those people. But I just find this stuff fascinating, right? It does make me feel paranoid to know that, you know, I've got dirt boxes out there and, and I'm being surveilled here. I'm being surveilled there. Everything I say and do on social media, which really isn't all that much, is being watched, surveilled, and added to like the Utah data center and then possibly the Amazon cloud somewhere. You know, I find that disconcerting. But every tweet I've ever tweeted is in the Library of Congress. And I knew that. Even the ones I deleted went right to the Library of Congress and they got archived. And that's everybody's tweets. Every tweet that you've ever tweeted is in the U.S. Library of Congress. So there is always some record of you online. Always. I almost think the most destructive stuff and the worst stuff isn't actually even from your government. I think it's from the companies that want all this data. Oh, yeah. I think that's where all the worst shit happens. People should look up the role-playing game Shadowrun. Yeah. <laughs> Dystopian future where the world is run by corporations. Yeah. 
Well, that's a... That is... And, and yeah. hacking is really popular. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the stuff that we... This sounds so paranoid. A lot of the stuff that we think we know is not correct. And I think a lot of the stuff that we think we know is put out there to put the fear of God in us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes the CIA and the NSA, it makes them the boogeyman, right? Well, well yeah, th this is the thing that makes me laugh, right? Because, yeah, there are more mentions of GCHQ. And of course, mm -hmm. the American agencies, the NSA, the CIA, they quite often appear and go, you know, deliberately say, oh, no comment or stuff like that. Then you know some of it's true. Whereas when GCHQ won't even comment on it, they won't even say no comment. They yep. just ignore requests about it altogether. Because, yeah. yeah, as we've discussed before, British method of dealing with secrecy, well, just don't talk about it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, don't confirm, deny, or make comment yeah. of any sort on it, including saying no comment. Yeah, that immediately exactly. makes people think they're hiding something. Yeah. GCHQ just ignore all these requests. Yep, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> I don't know. I just found it. I found myself in a really uncomfortable place looking at this stuff. Going, okay, so what am I more afraid of? Am I more afraid of the shit that foreign governments can do, or that my government can do, or am I more afraid of the shit that corporations can do? And I'm far more afraid of the shit that corporations can do. I'm far more afraid of the microphone in my washing machine or the chip in my toaster or the micro dot in my clothing, right? I'm more afraid of that stuff than I am of anything the government could do. I, I'm, what I'm most afraid of is members of the public who enjoy reality TV. Well, Government, I don't mean... Governments are just doing what they do. That's that's fine. I'm, Corporations, I'm not... I know they're dodgy. It's the base stupidity of a large section of mankind that I'm, I'm afraid of. Um... I'll tell you what bothers me about all of this. When I say, okay, let's take Snowden at face value for a second. He released all this stuff, and the most you got to happen was Ron Wyden and Rand Paul to get up and give these rousing speeches, right? Yeah. Nothing changed. All this information out there about how your photos can be picked up, uh, how your phone calls can be hacked, and, and all this stuff. In the Snowden stuff, right? And, and this is stuff paranoid people have been saying for a really long time. that They knew this was happening. Your TV could watch you, you know. Your phone was listening to your conversations. They were wiretapping everybody. All this shit that only paranoid people were saying was true. It's actually true. When that stuff comes out, instead of people like en masse losing their shit with their government, they just go, oh, right. And they go on about their day. Yeah. And the problem I have with the Snowden stuff, more than I have with this WikiLeaks dump, and, and I'm going to dig through the next releases of this and try to find what I think is true in there. Of course, I didn't have much time to really sift through the stuff, and there's a lot of it. But the stuff I think is true, I'll talk about. 
if this shit was so disconcerting and so scary, I, I understand you say you want to behave responsibly and give it to journalists. But that stuff came out in dribs and drabs and little bits here and little bits there and little bits here and little bits there. And then, of course, Glenn Greenwald writes this blockbuster book and sells a jillion copies and makes a ton of money. I have a problem with that. That's not how that should have come out. If this stuff was so scary, why didn't it get dumped at once on mass so people could go through it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't that the way you would deal with something that was so fucking horrible? It's, it's how I would. I mean, but, you know, I, I also am pretty sure that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have the ability to put information like that out there. I don't know. Anyway, the one thing I did find interesting about all this stuff, there was, does anybody remember last year when that guy who was the NSA guy, he collected, what was it, five terabytes of information about the NSA? Yeah, he was taking his work home with him. He was taking his work home with him. Well, he wasn't the only one. No. There was a guy that nobody talks about. (laughs) And I think you, you might find this interesting. There was a guy that nobody talks about that got arrested. And literally, every source that talks about him says the information on this person was not released. But the CIA doesn't think that any of their hacking tools or anything has been lost. So, I don't know. I kind of got to think, you want your intelligence agencies to be able to do this shit, right? Yeah. You, you want them to be able to stop a bombing, or you want them to be able to stop espionage or you want them to be able to stop people from being killed you you want somebody in charge to have this sort of ability i find the idea that people think oh yeah everybody's gonna rise up and they're just gonna force change that's not gonna happen that's not how, like you said, governments work. Governments are governments. This is how they do things. If they didn't have this ability, what sort of shit would we be sitting in right now, do you suppose? All right? Yeah, I mean, humans kind of sit in a permanent bath of deep shit. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. But, you know, I think we'd be at, you know, nose level and nobody really wants to be that deep in a bath of shit. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so, I don't know. Okay, so, okay. This is just an excerpt from a small piece of something that I saw that I thought was very interesting that nobody really talks about. So I am going to pop it in the chat. I know people find that clicking sound annoying. I apologize. Here. There was a second previously undisclosed breach of cyber tools. 
discovered in the summer of 2015, which was also carried out by a TAO employee, one official said. That individual also has been arrested, but his case has not been made public. The individual is not thought to have shared the material with another country, the officials said. So, if some of this stuff is genuine, and like you said, it would be wise to mix disinformation in with regular information that we can look at and verify, then I wonder if this is the guy who put the stuff out there. And if not, it's just awfully suspicious that we don't talk about him anymore. Like, he was just a one-line thing. So what happened to this guy, and where is he? I, that I would love to know. You know He's what I mean? He's still working for them, I would assume. Which is terrifying in itself. If you have people that are really good at this shit, you don't just throw them away. That's the thing. That's that's what people have got to remember about Snowden. If he's really that good, as I say, the debate, he wouldn't have got anywhere with his escape with data. Because he'd have been under really tight security. He was just a little cog. <laughs> Big wheel. Well, <laughs> aren't, aren't we all? Yeah. So this I find funny. This is... Okay. And I don't even know what the title of this story is because, like an idiot, I neglected to put it on here. Uh, I'm going to even have to dig up where I got it from. Okay. A new report from Rand Corporation may help shed light on the government's arsenal of malicious software, including the size of its stockpile of so-called zero days. And I know... I'm pretty sure I got this from The Intercept. Hacks that hit and hit undisclosed vulnerabilities in computers, smartphones, and other digital devices. The report also provides evidence that such vulnerabilities are long-lasting. The findings are of particular interest because not much is known about the U.S. government's controversial use of zero days. Officials have long refused to say how many such attacks are in the government's arsenal or how long it uses them before disclosing information about the vulnerabilities they exploit so software vendors can patch the holes. Rand's report is based on unprecedented access to a database of zero days from a company that sells them to governments and other customers on the quote-unquote gray market. So that's somewhere between black and white. <clears throat> this collection contains about 200 entries, about the same number of zero days some experts believe the government to have. Rand found that the exploits had an average lifespan of 6.9 years before the vulnerability each targeted was disclosed to the software maker to be fixed or before the vendor made upgrades to the code that unwittingly eliminated the security hole. Some of the exploits survived even longer than that. About 25% had a lifespan of a decade or longer, but another 25% survived less than 18 months before they were patched or rendered obsolete through software upgrades. Rand's researchers found there was no pattern around which exploits lived a long or short life, Severe vulnerabilities were not more likely to be fixed quickly than minor ones, nor were vulnerabilities in programs that were more widely available. The relatively long life expectancy of 6.9 years means that zero-day vulnerabilities, in particular the ones that exploits are created for in the gray market, are likely old, write researchers Lillian Albion and Andy Bogart in their paper, Zero Days, Thousands of Nights. Rand, a nonprofit research group, is the first to study in this manner, a database of exploits that are in the wild and being actively used in hacking operations. 
previous studies of zero days have used manufactured data of the vulnerabilities and exploits that get submitted to vendor bug bounty programs, programs in which software makers or website owners pay researchers for security holes found in their software or websites. The database used in this study belongs to an anonymous company referred to in the report as Boosby which amassed exploits over 14 years, going back to 2002. Boosby's full database has actually been, has actually has around 230 exploits in it, about 100 of which are still considered active, meaning they are unknown to the software vendors and therefore no patches are available to fix them. The RAND researchers had access to information on 270 days. The rest are recently discovered exploits the company withheld from RAND set due to operational sensitivity. What is not known is how many of these exploits are in the U.S. government's arsenal. Jason Healy, a senior research scholar at Columbia's University School for International and Public Affairs, believes the U.S. zero-day stockpile is comparable inside to Boosby's. Uh, for many years, critics of the government's use of zero days suspected the arsenals numbered in the thousands. But a report Healy published with his students last year, based in part on statistical analysis of the number of zero days that get discovered and disclosed each year to bug bounty programs, eliminated that the government's trove likely contained between two dozen and 225 zero day exploits. This would seem to jive with statements made by government officials. Michael Daniel Formos, former special advisor to President Obama on cybersecurity issues and a member of Obama's National Security Council, has said in the past, there's often this image that the government has spent a lot of time and effort to discover vulnerabilities that we stockpiled in huge numbers and similarly that we would be purchasing very, very large numbers of vulnerabilities on the open market, the gray market, the black market, whatever you want to call it. But the numbers are just not anywhere near what people believe they are. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, everybody thinks, or, oh my God, there's all these security holes. Not really true. Uh, there, there are there are holes, holes, but this is the ones that are known about, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that they're talking right. about. Yeah, there are probably loads more, but then nobody knows about them. You know, they've not been discovered yet. Um, what people don't realize is a huge part of, say, Microsoft being a mm -hmm. big example. Mm -hmm. They patch thousands of these tiny holes every year because they're finding them before other people do yeah. and it's the same with all the other tech companies um, but that's what they do they sit yeah. there and they look at this code all day and after a while they can see it i have i have a friend who works in it and a few years ago he got promoted and a couple of months into the new job he was like this he, he made a comment on Facebook. He was like, this is really real, uh, you know, surreal. He says, I'm now going back and making changes to code I originally wrote when I started working <laughs> for the company eight years ago. <laughs> Literally, he was finding holes in his own code and fixing them. Yeah, I mean, and that's it. It's going to be there. If you have a human doing it, it's going to be there. One of the interesting stories I read last week that I didn't put in here is there are now machines that write their own code, right? Yeah. Their computers are starting to learn to do this. Heuristic so, learning machines, yeah. Right. So, so humans are basically. Uh, 
Right. But once computers get really good at this, I mean, I don't think the zero day exploits are going to be what they once were, or at least they're not going to be noticeable by human eyes. Put it that way. Well, in, in some ways, yeah. If you want really secure software, you have to, and and this is true in some industries, spies, military, um, yeah, you don't use normal programming language. You're you these a lot a lot of these ultra secure things, uh, still use machine code, mm-hmm. because it's really hard to hack. Um, yeah, well, I mean the the older stuff is is definitely going to be harder to crack and when i say older i i don't mean that machine code is old but i just mean it's not it's not something that's taught in courses you know what i mean no. or in schools it's not easily recognizable hexadecimal being the one step up towards more modern but still quite incomprehensible to most programmers these days mm-hmm. well it's because they don't teach coding like they, they used to they never didn't they never really taught machine code and stuff. I mean, uh, I knew some machine code in hexadecimal, um, but I taught it to myself. I went out and figured it out myself. I didn't get when I was doing computing science. Right. When I was doing computing science, it's a, this this sets the age of when I learned computing. Um, at school, we were doing. Um, basic and they just brought in oh i can't remember it was the more modern version of basic but yeah and when i got to university it was things like pascal l unix um wow uh fortran stuff like that yeah some of the original languages (laughs) um yeah (laughs) i wasn't in the first generation of you know computer geeks I was in the first generation that ended up with access to the internet, so yeah. <laughs> well, see, I, I I wasn't. That wasn't a big thing, but I went when I paid to go to school. I went to a school that was actually quite big on the liberal arts. That was what I wanted. You know, I wanted to learn Latin because I wanted to be a writer, believe it or not. And I wanted. I thought that would just help me. I know it's a dead language, but learning the root of the words you're using it's really helpful in a lot of ways it helps you figure out what things mean and uh, i found it incredibly useful and none of the schools in the area would teach it to me they said it was a waste of my time to take spanish or french and i said nope i want to learn a dead language so i had to go to a private school for that but like the school i went to was incredibly liberal you had a it i got a really great liberal arts education in high school. I I was taught poetry by a Brown University professor because I was so good at writing. You could give me a subject and I could write a really incredible poem about it. And the teachers at my school said, your capacities are beyond us, so we're going to have a professor come and tutor you. And they did. And that was... That was amazing for me, you know, and plus I kind of got to go to Brown University. I kind of got to look around the library. That's incredibly cool. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So that's what I know of languages. You know of 
computer languages and machine coding, and I know the Latin. Wow. Totally. To be, to be fair, I've forgotten <laughs> all of it, basically, because I wasn't using it. Well, you I got, still I got know computers uh, for 10 years. So, yeah, but yeah. you still know more than I'll ever know. That's what ma- that's what makes this show so interesting. Okay, CIA's new digital innovation division can't seem to keep its own secrets. <laughs> Funny, right? Two years ago, John Brennan, who was then the director of the Central Intelligence Agency under President Obama, announced a far-reaching and controversial reorganization of the CIA. Before, most agency employees were assigned to one of four directorates. The Directorate of Operations, the agency's eyes and ears, handled espionage in the field. The Directorate of Intelligence was the brains processing and synthesizing raw intelligence, then writing it up into assessments and estimates, which percolated all the way up to the Oval Office. The Directorate of Science and Technology made the gear. The Directorate of Support managed the back office and kept the ships running on time. Brennan's reorganization added a brand new Directorate of Digital Innovation, or DDI. Officially, the new directorate was responsible for the integration of our digital and cyber capabilities. This meant retrofitting the CIA for cyber war, where victory depends on hacking other people's secrets and protecting your own. Now, with the Vault 7 release from WikiLeaks, it looks as though the youngest wing of the CIA is surprisingly porous. While it remains to be seen exactly what the rest of Vault 7 will bring, the first batch of files appear to come almost exclusively from within the new directorate. Of course, the CIA has long engaged in cyber espionage. Before Brennan established a new digital directorate, offensive cyber operations were undertaken by the CIA's Information Ops Center. Of the Vault 7 files called Fine Dining, gives detailed overviews of how the CIA's cyber capabilities support operations in the field. Spies could request support to digitally surveil everyone from foreign governments to system administrators to their own assets or sources, even if their contact with their target was less than one minute long. Unlike the Snowden disclosures, the initial Vault 7 release does not have much to say about exactly who the CIA was targeting and whether it had engaged in domestic spying. The techniques described in the files surreptitiously implanted software, hoarded zero-day attacks, and used dropping to smart TVs are advanced but not mind-blowing. What is more surprising is how an agency charged with protecting the nation's secrets apparently failed to keep track of its own. Vault 7 figures to be the most serious public breach of CIA security since 1969 when case officer Philip Agree resigned and wrote a first-hand expose on CIA covert activities in Latin America. Last summer, the new directorate's deputy director told Bloomberg that a well-meaning but incompetent insider is at fault for cyber breaches that the WikiLeaks documents would come from within the new DDI is especially embarrassing for Brennan, who served as Obama's White House counterterrorism advisor during years when the administration pursued multiple investigations into journalists and their sources. Even as Brennan was publicly blaming Edward Snowden for the 2015 Paris attacks, he appeared to have some trouble mopping up the leaks in his own house. According to WikiLeaks, the CIA's hacking arsenal was circulated among former U.S. government hackers and contractors in an unauthorized manner. You'll notice I said we knew about a lot of this stuff because it had been around. There, you and I have talked about this, so that should maybe tell people something. While it is possible that the unauthorized circulation occurred after Brennan's departure in January 2017, the documents themselves date from 2013 to 2016, years when Brennan was pushing through his internal overhaul. In November, Routers published a long report on Brennan's reorganization plan, which included 
the plan would involve weakening the role of the Directorate of Operations. The CIA has long internal friction between operations and analysis. The Intercept reported in November last year that Trump's national security team is considering reversing Brennan's reforms. The most controversial part of Brennan's reorganization is the creation of 10 new mission centers based around individual issues and regions that brought analysts and career case officers together on a single staff. Some in operations have run it as a representative of perceived defects in the analyst culture, data-driven, risk-averse, with an increasing bias for signals intelligence over on-the-ground human resources. Former CIA employee from the Directorate of Operations, who asked not to be named because of the classified nature of their work, said many inside the agency were critical of Brennan's reforms. The joke we tell about Brennan was that this big ops carry big risks, little ops carry little risks, and no ops carry no risk. So, yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I do find hilarious about this particular, the way they've talked about it, it's uh -huh. like, oh, the DDI, oh, security is really porous. That's part of the point. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, it's, it's got to be fast flowing. It's got to be quite open because that's how hacking works. They can't go after other people's stuff without exposing themselves. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, communications are not one direction. Yeah. Ever. Despite what people think. Unless you're sticking to pen and paper, sticking a guy in a plane, um, <laughs> etc. Um, right. When it comes to digital communications, yeah, you have to be quite very porous and very fluid. Otherwise, you can't get anything done. Um, yeah. I did want to do this one. Looks like they're scapegoating Brennan, though. <laughs> like he didn't deserve it. Okay. I think this is important. I read this last week. It was from Big Brother Watch. Um, Big Brother Watch is an incredibly valuable asset if you happen to live in the United Kingdom and you want to know the sorts of things the government wants to do to surveil you. I think that's that's a good assessment of Big Brother Watch, correct? Yeah. I mean, they, they're definitely out there talking about it when other people are keeping it quiet. I'll put it that way. Okay. British cops can keep millions of mugshots of innocent folks on file. I just, I need to stop talking about the CIA. They're making me crazy. You can ask to be removed, but it's up to officers to listen. Home Office cheerfully concludes. After unlawfully hoarding millions of mugshots of one-time suspects, police chiefs in England and Wales were this week told to delete the snaps, but only if the people in the photos complain. And even then, requests can be easily waved away. This is all set out in the UK Home Office's review of the use and retention of custody images file, which was published on Friday. The review was launched in 2015 and discovered that police had amassed more than 19 million mugshot photos. It's rather unfortunate because the High Court in London had ruled this practice of keeping pictures of presumed innocent people on file unlawful in 2012. Essentially, detectives were stashing away photos of people arrested, quizzed, and ultimately not convicted of any crime, just in case. The review sought to set in place rules for police forces in England and Wales maintaining libraries of photos following that high court showdown. Whereas there are no regulations on the storage of DNA, evidence, and fingerprints, there are little or no control... Well, wait a minute. Whereas there are regulations on the storage of DNA, evidence, and fingerprints, there are little or no controls on photographs. 
the high court judgment in R, RMC, and FJ versus MPS recognized that mugshots of people taken into custody were useful to officers. For example, frontline coppers can use them to clock known suspects and people out on bail. Crucially, the court called for an urgent review on police retaining images. Lord Justice Richard said it should be clear in circumstances that a reasonable further period for revising the policy is to be measured in months, not years. Five years later, and the government, the UK government, has finally officially offered some guidance to police forces in Bightley. Astonishingly, the Home Office stopped short of demanding the deletion of all images of innocent people no longer under investigation because apparently there are so many photos on file, it would be impractical to ask officers to go through all their databases and remove photographs of individuals who have never been convicted of an offense. Instead, if your mug is still on file and you haven't ever been found guilty of anything, you can ask nicely to be removed. If investigators think they need to keep your snack for policing purposes, your request can be denied. And if you have been convicted or released from prison more than six years ago, you can ask the flood to delete your mug shots the review suggested. Although, again, it's completely up to the police to fulfill your request. Following consultation with key partners, the principal recommendation of the review is to allow unconvicted persons to apply for deletion of their custody image. With the presumption that this will be deleted unless retention is necessary for a policing purpose. And there is an exceptional reason to retain it, Home Secretary Amber Rudd said on publication of the review. Big Brother Watch's Renet Sampson responded, the opportunity for people to have their custody photo deleted from the database is welcome, but we believe they shouldn't have to ask. It should be an automatic process. The explanation as to why this can't be done reveals a poorly designed IT system which is impacting innocent people's right to privacy. Going forward, a system should be created whereby those who are found innocent have their images deleted automatically, as is the case with DNA and fingerprints. Meanwhile, Biometrics Commissioner Professor Paul Wiles said of the Home Office's recommendation that people can ask to be removed. This limited application process does add a degree of proportionality, but whether this would be enough in the face of any future legal challenge may develop may depend on how many presumed innocent people apply successfully to have their images deleted before the minimum six-year review period. He continued, the review leaves the governance and decision-making of this new process entirely in the hands of the police, but future public confidence might require a greater degree of independent oversight, transparency, and assurance than is proposed. I could go on and on, but basically the cops get to do what the cops want to do. Which, you know, that's kind of par for the course, it seems like. To be fair, though, um, the average innocent person, if they applied to the police, even before this ruling, to say, excuse me, can you get rid of my data? Right. Most police forces, unless they thought you were up to something dodgy, would have gone, fine, no problem. Because right. they really have more important things to be getting on with. Um <laughs> Exactly. Okay. It's, it's not as big a deal as some people would think. The biometric data, it's far more important that they, they're not allowed to keep that. Um, right. I mean, images? God. It's not just mugshots. People seem to forget. You're yeah, on surveillance yeah. everywhere in the UK. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's there are photos you know. of you on systems everywhere when you're in the uk it's not mm -hmm. just police mugshots 
So yeah, tell get being annoyed because the police are you're suspected of doing something or were picked up by the police in relation to a crime and part of processing in any police force is your photos taken. Right. Worrying about that, I mean, yeah, that's that's small potatoes. Um Right. Well, I mean, I still thought it was interesting. Yeah. Because I know you have the incredibly invasive snoopers charter there. And we don't really talk about that much because it just seems like it is. Do you know what I mean? Well, like like I said at the time, this is just making official what the government's been doing for decades anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) This is what they do. Yeah. Unfortunately. Okay, I promised we'd talk about this because I think I think I could use a little lightening up. Hundreds of feds caught watching porn at work. I know, right? I, I just needed the light and load there. Investigators find egregious cases involving government workers watching six hours per day child porn. See, much lighter. Hundreds of federal workers have been caught watching porn on the job, including viewing child pornography, according to a new, a new news investigation. NBC News 4 in Washington, D.C. identified over 100 egregious cases during the past five years where federal employees watched porn for hours during the day or required an inspector general investigation into their porn habits at work. The report relies on records obtained through a Freedom of Information Act from 12 separate government agencies. The cases include workers who admitted to spending six hours a day surfing illicit images and videos and maintaining tens of thousands of adult images on their office desktops, the report said. The investigation revealed over 20 cases at the Justice Department during the past two years and numerous cases at the Environmental Protection Agency. The report includes a notorious case of an EPA employee in the Office of Air and Radiation who, while earning a $120,000 salary, watched porn between two and six hours every day, masturbated at work, and received bonuses. Really? The employee said that a lot of his time each workday is spent organizing the pornography he downloaded into save file folders, according to records obtained by NBC News 4. The report noted that although being caught watching porn opens employees to possible disciplinary action, including being fired, Several agencies said penalties are flexible and can be just a written reprimand. The EPA employee was not fired and stayed on the payroll for years, even though he had been banned from the building. He continues to receive a six-figure salary for two years after being caught, including a year of paid leave, before he retired in April 2015. This is not just an isolated incident at one single agency, said Representative Mark Meadows, Republican from North Carolina, who is pushing legislation for a zero-tolerance policy during, towards viewing pornography on government computers. We're starting to find it across almost every agency. New cases uncovered by NBC News 4 include another EPA employee, uh, employee in San Francisco who watched porn an average of two hours a day, and an EPA contractor in North Carolina who viewed porn two to three to four hours a day. Workers at the Department of Transportation office in Washington, D.C. that was monitored for two months to be searching on government computers for teen and underwear and blonde and teen and slut and tight pants and orgy in Prague and or orgy in Czech and petite blonde teen. 
A Department of Justice worker in Tucson, Arizona, visited 2,500 adult websites and downloaded over 1,100 pornographic pictures at work, spending the majority of his duty time viewing inappropriate adult websites. Another justice employee in Dallas, Texas, watched porn between four and six hours a day at work and had tens of thousands of pornographic pictures on a work computer, including some which might have been child pornography. Several other cases involved child pornography as well, including an FBI employee in Virginia who had explicit email in exchanges with a ninth grader and admitted to receiving, viewing, and saving approximately 50 images of suspected child pornography. The investigation covered the Departments of Transportation, Justice, Interior, Labor, Commerce, Energy, Health, and Human Services, as well as the U.S. Postal Service, NASA, Export-Import Bank, the EPA, and the Social Security Administration. Well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if the same news people who commissioned <laughs> this report look at their own organization... How many will they find there? It's everywhere. <laughs> I'm sure it is everywhere. I'm yeah. just saying, I think it's kind of, you always think the government will be held to a higher standard, and they're not. And I don't know about you, but uh, the any government's of the government's just a corporation. I know, but I'm saying any job I've ever had, you know, that, that's, that kind of shit would never be allowed. They'd fire your ass. But not if you're well, a government it is, employee. It is in most cases. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're a government employee, it, that's fine. That's fine. Well, part, partly it's down to the weirdness of certain unions in your country are overly <laughs> powerful compared to others, shall we say. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's this is not this pops up every few years. Oh, I know. Some news corporation goes, oh my god, all this stuff people are doing at work. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is people, right? <laughs> people are not right. going to change. Um, this is right. going to keep happening. Yeah, well, it is. It's just, I don't know. I just thought it was a like slightly lighter story. And yeah. it also brought to mind the well, idea that per perhaps people, yeah. people I think at I've work told you, um, should be working. Yeah. There's uh, somebody I know who who he's British, but he works in Germany. Right. And there's a guy at his work that he saw every day for years. He just used to come in, go to the canteen, get a cup of coffee, breakfast, sit and read his newspaper. He'd be in the canteen all day and then go home at the end. And eventually he asked somebody else, who is that guy and what's his job? And it's like, oh, that's such and such. His job was actually outsourced, like, you know, four years ago. But it's too much hassle to sack him, get rid of him. So he comes, as long as he comes into work, he'll keep getting paid. But he hasn't actually got a job. This this is the stupidity of, you know, companies, yeah. law, all sorts of things. But yeah, yeah. literally, it's a guy they, they, could, they can't sack easily. Uh, so right. yeah, he just comes in, drinks coffee, reads his newspaper. Yeah, <sighs> and lots of jobs are like that. us. These people who are spending four hours a day, six <laughs> hours a day looking at porn, they're in kind of those situations. They have a job that requires a minimum amount of input, which they can do in no time at all, and then <laughs> they just piss around for the rest of it. It kind of reminds me of 
the time home remember homer simpson did i don't know if you watched the simpsons yeah but i remember homer got the job from home yeah. remember he had the bird just had to click down and hit that one key so that the nuclear power plant vented steam yeah and it didn't <laughs> Because he was too busy doing whatever the hell he was doing while he was at home. These kind of stories remind me of that. I just, I find it, it makes me crazy. We pay so much in taxes, you know, and taxes are part of what you pay for a free society. Bullshit. Um, Taxes are paid to these assholes who are doing this. And that shouldn't happen. I just, it makes me crazy. That's like decorating offices every year. That shit needs to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've never had a government job. But I think a lot of government jobs aren't that way. But these, I don't know, these people that Well, I'll say a big thing computer. was made out of it being a government job. But... Well, and yeah, it's annoying because your taxes are paying for it. But... It's just as annoying in in the the private sector. Private sector. Yeah. And yeah, the private sector are more strict on it because yeah, it's eating into profits. Nothing nothing gets uh, attention quicker than that. Um yeah. but it you happens know, there as well. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't actually have a problem. You know, I think most people go to work, they go to do a job, you know they're focused on that and they do their job and they go home it's the people that get to this level where they have like walk around water cooler time that kind of make me crazy yeah. i don't know every anyway. organization has dead weight oh, yeah. it's 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 how you deal with it or in fact right. dealing with it um <laughs> i mean the, the uk it's kind of weird um yeah, it's the same here. Government jobs are seen as a slightly cushier number than private sector. Because, mm-hmm. well, in general, they are. Um, but it depends on the job. It depends where mm-hmm. the job is. Uh, it depends on who you're working for. Because, um, yeah, some bosses are yeah. more lax than others. <laughs> you know, when you, you know the difference... You'll have had this in your working life. Huge difference between uh, a boss who is a stickler for the tiniest detail and a boss who just wants to get the work done mm-hmm. yeah. properly but doesn't, you know, you must follow, you know, this job involves going from steps one to 46. <laughs> so you must do steps one, two, three, four, all the way through to 46. Right. Whereas, you know, you have the bosses who are like, yeah, just get the job done. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a completely different environment. Most people mm-hmm. prefer not to be working for the asshole who wants you to do every <laughs> single stage. Yeah. Exactly as it's said in the manual. Because yeah. usually the manual was written by somebody who doesn't do that job. Yeah, that's true. So I, I'm going to read some of the stuff that I actually pulled last week. Just because I think it's interesting. This came from a car magazine. 
if your TV rats you out, what about your car? It's not that hard to believe the future of connected cars would be creepy about what data they track. Vizio, the TV manufacturer, recently had to pay a $2.2 million fine to the FTC recently because it was discovered that its sets were collecting data about viewers watching habits and then using the information for its own benefit. Last year, it was revealed the Samsung smart TVs were busy listening to what was being said, even if the conversations in question had absolutely nothing to do with switching the channel away from Matt LeBlanc on Top Gear. I swear that's hilarious. Now, auto manufacturers seem to be tripping each over, pointing out that they offer Apple CarPlay and Google Android Auto. And more recent phenomena are announcements from companies, including Ford and Hyundai, that they are offering Amazon Alexa capabilities. You talk, it listens. In late January, General Motors said it is releasing the next generation of infotainment software development kit to software developers to write apps for GM cars. The NGI SDK includes native application program interfaces that allow access to expected things like oil life and tire pressure and whether light bulbs are burned out, but unexpected things as well like the presence of passengers in the vehicle. In making the announcement of the NGI SDK, GM pointed out that it has the largest connected fleet on the road, some 12 million vehicles. The company also noted from 2015 to 2016, GM has seen data usage by consumers increase nearly 200%. Mobile app use for GM vehicles also hit an all-time high in 2016 with more than 225 million interactions. It's not implausible, oh, it's not plausible that they know these interactions than simply the number of them. GM's privacy agreement is like most privacy policies, which boils down to you use it, the device, software, etc. You potentially give up a portion of your privacy. Well, on the subject of apps, com- consignant with this year's CES, Subaru announced that it has added eight cloud-based apps to the Starlink multimedia system and the 2017 Impreza. Some are familiar, like Yep, Yelp. Sorry. Some are a bit narrow and focused, like eBird, which was developed by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology for board, bird watchers. And one ought to give us pause: Right to Track. According to Subaru, Right to Track test drive from Liberty Mutual Insurance monitors the driving habits and provides customers with tips on safer driving to help lower their insurance rates and improve their driving skills. Or said more simply, you drive, it watches. And lets the folks at Mutual Liberty know how well and how fast you've been driving. And Porsche just announced it has joined the Startup Autobahn Innovation Platform, which sounds like something along the lines of TechCrunch Disrupt Stuttgart, a means through which up-and-coming tech companies can get funding and have the opportunity to work on intelligent solutions at the interface between hardware and software in a workshop or a hackerspace, including a variety of equipment like 3D printers and robots. Well, it sounds laudable among the developments. Porsche cites an example of the kind of work that's being funded is a projector that transforms a windshield into an advertising space. Always good. You need a heads-up display when you're driving. And isn't it possible that the ads broadcast could have something to do with what it discovers the driver might be interested in giving her interactions with, say, Yelp? Here's the thing. While it may seem appealing to have all manner of connectivity in cars, there's the other side of that. Without getting all tinfoil hat about this, when your TV set is ratting you out, isn't it likely that your car will? It drives and watches and listens and collects data the likes of which you otherwise might not have shared. So there's that. Yeah, well, my my thoughts on that story. 
yeah, the way it's going with cars. Yeah, voice-activated stuff in your car. Yeah. And, and very soon, do not say piss off when you're anywhere near your car. It's <laughs> like, officer, my car stole itself. <laughs> well, what happened? Well, I said piss off and the car drove away. I don't know where it is now. <laughs> so, if I think this is a story that I'm going to in our private chat, and I know this bothers people, but I believe if you click on the link, you will bring up a press conference with the asshole James Comey, where he says that there is no absolute right to privacy in America. If you could play that, I would be very happy. Well, not happy per se, but it would be it, it would be on target with everything else we've been talking about. Put it that way. Okay, just need to get it okay. to play. Here we go. Yeah. So, James Comey, ladies and gentlemen, he's great. Magical he's... unicorn technologist. Yes, he's the greatest. We just There's need to keep nerding harder. To freak you out with, but I think it's true. Even our memories are not absolutely private in America. Right? Any of us can be compelled, in appropriate circumstances, to say what we remember, what we saw. Even our communications with our spouses, with our clergy members, with our attorneys, are not absolutely private in America. In appropriate circumstances, a judge can compel any one of us to testify in court about those very private communications. And there are really, really important constraints on law enforcement, as there should be. But the general principle is one we've always accepted in this country. There is no such thing as absolute privacy in America. There is no place in America outside of judicial reach. That's the bargain. And we made that bargain over two centuries ago to achieve two goals. To achieve the very, very important goal of privacy and to achieve the very important goal of security. Widespread default encryption changes that bargain. In my view, it shatters the bargain. That's it. He's a fun guy, isn't he? Yeah. <coughs> He's just my favorite. I just love him. But I thought that was kind of important to hear from somebody who's in a high office that they think that we've struck a bargain with them, right? That in order for us to have security, we give up some of our liberty. I think that's entirely wrong. I do think it's true, but I think it's entirely wrong. And I think once you start going down that path, you, you start to lose... No, it, it didn't even start. Well, he's you he's have, he's too stupid lost. to trust with that idea, because uh, yeah, he's just not smart enough to know the limits. Um, I think at this point, though, you you get to something lost, yeah. right? And and I think the more we talk about these stories, I don't know about you, and. It's probably, for you, it's just like, yes, this is how it is. But being that I'm a relative newcomer to the actual history of the inception of my country, um, simply because it wasn't taught in schools I went to, 
and I had to seek out that knowledge myself and pay for it when I was in my 30s to get a, a real grasp and understanding um, of certain things like um, just certain wars that have happened and, and things that presidents have done in the past and just to get a version of history that's not whitewashed. I had to pay a lot of money to get to that understanding point. And I had a version in my head of what I thought the country I lived in was like, and it's really nothing like that. Yeah. And when you make a bargain with Faust, you always wind up paying in the end. And I think we sit on the horns of a Faustian bargain with these people. And I don't think it's like, they say there's a social contract, right? That, that we've all signed. Uh, I didn't really sign anything, uh, but they say there's like a social contract between the government and the people and that they will do this for you and you will give up this for them. And I don't think that that's right. I just don't, I don't think any of the things that they do that they really have the consent to do. I don't know. I just find it, uh, I find it very uncomfortable. So here's something else I find uncomfortable. I found this uncomfortable last week. I still find it uncomfortable. Software engineer detained at JFK given test to prove he's an engineer. Donald Trump's temporary immigration ban and the ensuing heightened security procedures for travelers outside of the US have caused a great deal of trouble for visitors to the country. On Sunday, though, things got taken to the next level when Customs and Borders Protection Office reportedly claimed its latest victim. 28-year-old Celeste Ullman, who was traveling from Lagos, Nigeria, on business. Okay, so, yeah, he's a Nigerian businessman. Kind of funny. Ullman, a software engineer at Andela, a tech startup that connects developers in Africa with U.S. employees, had a particularly unwelcoming reception when he deplaned at John F. Kennedy Airport and was given a test to prove he was actually a software engineer. A LinkedIn post detailing Ullman's challenging experience explained that upon landing in New York after spending 24 miserable hours on a Qatar Airways flight, he was given some trouble about the short-term visa he obtained for his trip. According to the post, an unprepared and exhausted Ullman waited at the airport for approximately 20 minutes before being questioned by a Custom and Border Protection officer about his occupation. After several questions were asked, he was reportedly brought to a small room and told to sit down where he was grilled, for, uh, where he was left for another hour before another customs officer entered and resumed grilling him. Your visa says you're a software engineer, is that correct? The officer reportedly asked Orman. After verbally confirming his occupation, Orman was given a piece of paper and a pen to test his knowledge as a software engineer. Orman was instructed to answer the following questions. Write a function to check if a binary, binary search tree is balanced. What is an abstract class and why do you need it? I was just asked to balance a binary search tree by JFK's airport immigration. Welcome to America. According to the LinkedIn post, Omen, who has over seven years of experience in his department, was seriously sleep deprived and emotionally flustered by this point. Thus, he felt the questions were opaque and could have multiple answers. In fact, to him, they looked suspiciously like the officer simply Googled questions to ask a software engineer, which he addressed in comments on his Twitter account. After Omen attempted to complete the ridiculous test designed to prove he was, in fact, a software engineer, he was informed by a customs official 
who he suspects wasn't technically trained, that his responses were incorrect. No one would tell me why I was being questioned. Every single time I asked the official why he was asking me these questions, he hushed me. I wasn't prepared for this. If I had known this was happening beforehand, I would have tried to prepare, Omen told LinkedIn. That is when I thought I would never get into the United States. As Omen sat convinced he would be denied access to the United States, an official suddenly told him he was free to go. Without any further explanation, the official apparently said, Look, I'm going to let you go, but you don't look convincing to me. Tired and discouraged, he simply walked out of the office without responding, and after posting about his experience on Twitter, received an outpouring of support from stunned supporters. Once Omen was released from the airport, he learned that U.S. Customs even called his employer, Andela, along with the New York-based firm and client first access for additional questioning. All I'm going to read of that. Go ahead. Sorry, You're... what? I said that's all I'm going to read of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the... it's, it's, yeah. If you're going to ask somebody only... technical questions, make sure the person asking the questions has a clue. Knows the the particular topic. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's not the only person this week. No. We turned to we turned away a Canadian citizen at the beginning of last week. Her father was a scientist who, and her mother was just a homemaker. And they fled the general Qatar region after, you know, Things started heating up over there. They're, po they're peaceful people. And their daughter was born in Canada. She's a Canadian citizen. Um, she's brown, as you would expect. But she has been coming back and forth across the American border for years. And they didn't believe her papers. And they told her she would need to go to the... Uh, where's that place Assange is in? Why do I forget these stupid things? the embassy yeah. in her country and get a different form of papers to be allowed into the country. So she tried to do that and Canada was baffled. They didn't know why it happened. We turned away a French linguistics professor last week. We've turned away a, a bunch of the people you would expect to come into this country. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, and it's going to go on. The next, the next set of court cases about the immigration stuff are going to be arriving soon. Yeah. You know, here's all I'm going to say about this. For everybody who's excited about the border wall, please understand something. A wall does, well, unless you're dealing with cartels, a wall will keep rats out, but it will keep you in. So there's always that to think about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, ask the people of Berlin what their their thoughts on a wall, on a yeah. border. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just find all of this stuff happening. It almost feels like everything's just happening at once, and it's all really confusing. You know what I mean? It doesn't need to be, but it it really is. And this is the last thing I said I would talk about tonight. Facebook tool searches through people's personal information, showing how much the site makes public. The tool could be used to bring up pictures, posts, and information that you thought was private, and could be used by anyone else to do the same. A new tool shows just how much people's personal information is made public on Facebook for anyone to see. 
the utility, which calls itself StockScan, claims to offer the public info. Facebook doesn't let you see. It comes through everything that has been made public by a person, which will probably have happened involuntarily, and collects it all in one place. It does that using only the unique identifier that each profile has. It means it's possible to do it for yourself and see what parts of your online life you may have exposed, but also that anyone in the world can do it to you too. People don't have to be your friends to see all of your information since all that is required is your profile's URL. The tool's page makes it clear that this tool does not violate Facebook's privacy settings. Only me stays only me, the page reads in reference to the most private Facebook setting. It only shows hidden content you have access to. While much of that same information might never have intentionally been made public, and many people might not be aware it's still easily available online. The amount of information that can be seen is vast. Depending on whether things have been hidden, it allows anyone to see information, including any pictures or videos, all the personal details and interests that have been entered into the site and any places you've indicated you have visited. It does all of that using Facebook's graph search that was introduced in 2013 and was intended as a way of making it easier to find certain things like people in your city who are interested in a certain film, but was quickly put to use by a range of malicious actors, which Facebook eventually had to make harder to use. StockScan collects the huge amount of information revealed by a search term and puts it in an easily accessible form, allowing anyone to see all the information about a person that it would be able to dredge up. Facebook offers special privacy checkup tools, which can be used to check how public certain posts are, it also recommends that people check the privacy settings on each of their posts to make sure they aren't being shown to the public inadvertently. It's possible to hide a profile from the tool if it's made entirely unavailable. It can be done through Facebook settings and will stop it from coming up in a search or anywhere else on the public site. And uh, StockScan does not find me very interesting. There is not much to see. Yeah, I'm looking at mine. It's got, uh, it's got um, incorrect information. <laughs> funny that it's it's for instance it's one of the locations it has me going to is darwin which is and in, in england but yeah i've never i think let's i'm gonna have a look at a map how close have i been in darwin <laughs> uh i've driven past them on the motorway that's about 10 miles from it <laughs> But it's down as a place as a place I visited on by this software. Yeah. So it's not exactly incredibly accurate. It's not accurate, but there is I, I have noticed a lot of my friends have stopped doing the check in thing, which I'm really happy about. That I'm happy about. It was stupid to see people checking in and getting their fucking coffee at Starbucks. That used to just enrage me. You don't need to check in from Starbucks. You don't need to check in from Carabas. You don't need to check in from the movies. In fact, I went to the movies the other day. I did not check in from the movies. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, if I do mention where I am, I don't do it using built-in location software. Right. I just say I'm here on yep. Twitter, Facebook, or wherever. Um, yeah. But yeah. But yeah, that that stock scan—that's quite funny. Uh, yeah, because yeah, thought it's, it was... it's not got a lot of information on me. You'll be unsurprised to learn. Which... Yeah, <laughs> had very little on me as well. Yeah. Shockingly, I know. Well, I I, 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 I may be one of those those people that 
Zuckerberg and his backers really hate. Uh, I, I am a user <laughs> of Facebook purity, so yeah. Well, you know, I just don't live my life in public all that much. Although, well, I do, but uh, nothing that's going to make any of this software uh, useful <laughs> in any yeah. way. I, um, oh no, it knows where I live. What, you mean the information <laughs> that I've already put online? Yeah. Like, so, yeah Facebook, I'm in Starling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yes, in fact, it says you're a terrestrial at Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> I so, live in a cave somewhere near Sterling, in fact. <laughs> yeah. So, I saw Logan the other day. Any good? Yeah, I cried. It was, it was, it, is it I as was, dark as everybody says. It is very dark. I found it very dark. It was devastating for me. Um, it was really hard for me to see Professor X and Logan so old. <laughs> but, but it's they not are. just that. I know they are, but it, it's hard to not see these guys, you know, running around, saving the world, you know what I mean? But, I mean, Logan's it, been dead in the comics for, what, four or five years? So, I mean, yeah. yeah. I know. Well, well the, the current death, he's been dead four or five years. But, well, yeah. X, X-23 is in this one. Yes. yes. That's the whole point. Yes, exactly. So, you know... It, the stories will still go on. It's just you're not going to have Logan around, and that just it. You have to see it. It's really good. I I cried so, hard. and I didn't think I was going to cry, but I cried so hard. I was like I I mean I was like I should have got napkins from the concession stand. I I came out of there. And I was well, you like should have known from the advertising campaign they'd run. Yeah, they had, well, you know, I the was... Johnny Cash song playing over the I... trailer. I know. I was. I was just. I was a like a snotty, runny. Me- I left there and I, I. I went to the bathroom. I cleaned myself up. I walked out and I said, uh, "You know, you remember Dan when we had like the five year moratorium <laughs> on you picking out movies?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "We're reinstating that. You're not allowed to pick films anymore. No more of this fucking." Sa- he used to take me to go see samurai films, but like, <laughs> yeah. And and you know hey, how hey, nothing, on the bright nothing... side, on the bright side, you'll have seen the Deadpool trailer. Mm-hmm. I did, and I have a question: mm-hmm. Why isn't Ryan Reynolds' butt all scarred up if the rest of them is? <laughs> it's a valid question. That's a valid fucking question. It's I'm allowed to. You know, I'm just. I'm serious. That's a valid fucking question. <laughs> so yeah, Logan, very good. Bring Kleenex. Um, I will say my sinuses were clear for a good two days afterwards. That's that was how hard I was. Crying. Washed through nicely. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a really deep uh, sinus cleansing. Yeah, good, good saline, <laughs> saline washout. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I needed that. Um, but yeah, I found it. Uh, it was incredibly sad. I I just did it. it uh, it bothered me quite a lot, but you you would have to. As bad as it is seeing Logan sick and not well and just riddled with arthritis and you know, drinking himself to death, basically, it was worse seeing Professor X bought so low, you know. Yeah. And you know, it's hard to watch somebody go through something, you know. 
these people have superpowers and they're bought low by their old age. They, it was a very mortal story. Well, I mean, in Logan's case, sad. he is, what, 300? So, yeah. yeah. Everybody has their time. <laughs> I know, but it's it's very different. It was very good. It was very well done. And I will say, even for people who were not fans of any of the X-Men films, you would derive some satisfaction from seeing this because it was a really well done drama. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a drama slash thriller slash hero movie. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. It's more like a drama slash action film slash you're never gonna outrun these fuckers kind of film. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The bad guys are always the bad guys, and if you followed the films in Secession, which I have, you already know who the bad guys are. Yeah. So it's got that but, going I mean, for it. At least there's in, a in some ways, I'll, I'll. I mean, I haven't seen it myself yet, but I will. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, in some ways, going to be glad to see the back of the pretty duck Logan. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, he. As comic book fans will know, Wolverine in the films is really pleasant. Um, whereas, yeah, he's a, as a originally jet. written, he's a piece of shit. He's not. He's not a nice man. <laughs> no. I'll put it that way. No, he aggressive, he is, angry, small ball of fury uh, is a polite he, description he, of Wolverine in he, the comics. Well, he is what his creators made him unfortunately in the comics he never really rises he does he does the right thing but he's got so much blood on his hands i don't know oh yeah i mean in, in some ways he's he's honorable but he's also one of the most immoral characters in comics so yeah mm -hmm. yeah no it, it he does the right thing not always for the right reason so he, he does the right thing and there's that but it, it yeah, you would, uh, you just, you have to see, and there's these characters in the film that they're just generally lovely, nice people, and you're looking at them and you're like, oh, these, these are collateral damage. Yeah. These people are going to die and it's going to be well, horrible. Well, it's the same in any action movie. If, if, are if they're not one of the stars, they show up and they appear to be nice, you're like, yeah, you're not going long ago. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, it's quite sad. I found Logan incredibly sad and, you know, we, you know, we went out to dinner and I would just bust out crying during dinner. I'm like, this is not normal. <laughs> and it's not normal for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've got a damaged brain, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I think mine's normal. Nobody else I know in you know, derives pleasure from digging through databases of shit. That can't be normal. There has to be some tips. I know loads of people who love that sort of stuff. Alright, well, most of the people I know are the kind of idiots that, uh, you know, they watch, like, American Pickers, and and I'm not saying people who watch American Pickers are idiots, but then they follow along, like, Honey Boo Boo and, and all the rest of that shit. So, it's... I don't it know. Just back to earlier in the shows, yeah, the, the, sex, <laughs> the, the, the some of the stuff that scares me in the world. Yeah. yeah. 
So those are the people I know. But, hey, you, you know. know, you think you like searching through data. I mean, uh, you know I've got a friend who's an actual librarian. Actual librarian, yeah. And and not... Not... Um, to, to give people an idea, not just a librarian, as in kids come in, get take books out. No, no, she she works in a, she's a research data library. repository. Yeah, yes. she's got a, she's got a doctorate in. No, is it library a doctorate? Sciences. So it's a, it's a master's degree at least. I think it is. She's got she's got wow. in information technology. Damn. Yeah, I don't have any of that, but you know, I also don't like. I don't know. I don't watch Honey Boo Boo and, and all that stuff. Oh no, that stuff. Yeah. If I wasn't insane wrong. already, that that would definitely drive you insane. Don't don't get me wrong. I understand the need for a bit of escape, but I just think e entertainment television and all of their programming should be launched into space. I don't think it's doing humanity any favors. And I think Ryan Seacrest, who put the fucking Kardashians on the map, he should just be shot in the crotch for that. Well, I mean, the reality TV that I do watch. Uh -huh. <laughs> is stuff like you know um, well, the equivalent in the US would be like digs. cops things like Judge Judy because she's hilarious um, and mostly it's the factual based reality shows as in a film crew following you know <laughs> yeah. work crews about doing whatever it is they're doing I watch yeah. that sort of thing but none of these scripted uh, things yeah, think, idiotic shows him. I think they are all scripted, but I still stand by uh, Ryan Seacrest deserves to be shot in the crotch. I think that would be a, a, a fitting finale. I, I think when the last Kardashians show whatever fucking horrible piece of shit that is airs, uh, when the final episode, you know, when the credits run, they should bring Ryan Seacrest out and shoot him in the crotch because he inflicted that on all of society and he deserves that. But, but, <laughs> but it's a waste of a bullet. That you could be using on a Kardashian. You, I mean, <laughs> what, what, why not just why just just make sure you know hit, hit him hit repeatedly in the crotch with a tenderizing mallet. <laughs> That's that'd hurt more too. <laughs> that, that that is also <laughs> that's also a valid idea, but uh, you know, I just yeah, I just think that's how you solve the problem. No, I'm kidding. I don't think that's how you solve problems. I just thought it sounded, uh, well, it sounded like social justice to me. Shooting Ryan Seacrest in the crotch seems like a, a form of social justice. Two minutes to go, by the way. <laughs> okay. So I guess we'll go with, uh, did we get time for credits? Yeah. I mean, for Advert and the, the Muppets? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.